welcome to the In General Podcast, episode 99. That is crazy. As always, I am joined with Chris and Assis. What's up, guys? I'm wearing a coat. I'm cold. <laughs> he's a cold boy. <laughs> he's He is wearing a coat. He's indoors. Yep. He looks like he's out in the Arctic tundra. And, yeah. uh, Might as well be. Edmonton, yeah. Alberta. Look it up. It's cold. <laughs> yeah. Uh, me and Chris are not wearing coats, for those who no. like to see visually. I am wearing a beanie and a We're all wearing hats. You're wearing a hoodie. I'm wearing yeah, a hoodie. we're all wearing hats. We're all we're wearing, wearing hats, glasses. We're wearing hoodies, yeah, yeah. We're wearing glasses it's, as well, yeah. Wow, oh, look at this. We're all wearing headphones. So These are non-prescript, non-prescription yeah. glasses. And, uh, yeah, oh, I hate Pittsburgh, that. I don't Pittsburgh like Pittsburgh that. Pirates there. Pittsburgh Pirates. Represent. Represent. Okay, I have, a, I have a bone to pick with you, Jack. Hit me. You live in Canada, Vancouver, right? Canada, mm-hmm. Vancouver, Canada, right? Y- yes. Canada, what Vancouver. are you wearing on your head? You're not in Pittsburgh, my friend. Put on a Vancouver <laughs> Canucks Spirit, hat already. Let me buy you one. It's with me in heart and spirit. I, I, you know, I put it, I put it on every morning because I think of Chris every morning. I wake oh, up don't, to, you know what? Don't wear a Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Penguins um, hat in Canada though, because I mean, at least like baseball, you can get away with. But I feel like if you start oh, wearing a ho- if you start wearing a Pittsburgh hockey team hat in Canada, I feel like that wouldn't go over as well. Yeah, no I, I try to stay away from that. Um, I'll, I'll wear a Canucks hat. Yeah, I'll do it. Oh yeah, we'll I'll buy you it. <laughs> Hit me up, man. I don't see anything on your hat. I have yeah. my. Well, actually, yes, there is something on my hat. It's the it's the logo for uh, the PPCLI. <laughs> you Look should um, you should get the dress outpost hat. You mm. now sell dress outpost hats in the dress outpost store. You know, I have uh, another bone to pick with you, Jack. You get all the up. cool Jurassic outpost stuff away to everyone else, but I get nothing. Where's my hat? Have we ever, Where's my shirt? Have we ever given anything away? I don't believe anybody has a hat. <laughs> <laughs> anybody that's shirt. like has dress outpost merch i think they just bought it i think i think was a alex got the t-shirt um alex got the t-shirt chris got the mug the the one the one we brought to philly was it philly a or bunch was of it pens LA? in circulation somewhere <laughs> there's pens in circulation there's oh my God. I have, dude i have pens in my truck it made it all the way to pens for days West. Fuck yeah. Pens for days. Actually, yeah, I have an outpost pen in my car. Yeah. Everyone needs uh, one, yeah. That's what we do. You can't buy outpost pens, but you can get them exclusively from Corey. So if you do want, for anybody <laughs> listening out there, if you want an outpost pen, get in touch with Corey. Uh, he'll, they he'll might still be around. There's hundreds. They are black pens, there. by the way. Black there, pens. There were. There were a lot They're across North America. That's spread into Canada. I've, I've left some somewhere. I've left them at different places. You know. There are some uh, dressed out dog tags yeah. in circulation somewhere. Yep. Oh, yeah, I lost mine at the airport. Someone <laughs> has that in Philadelphia. Enjoy those. Dave. Hey. Dave Philly's got Dave it. Philly. Dave Philly weed. Guys, um, just before we jump into the news, because there are a few things to talk about, if you check out the uh, the uh, that whole uh, fan site, that Jurassic Park fan site, JurassicOutpost.com, mm. you'll find information on a giveaway. We're giving away, uh, with a partnership with Toy Monster, we're giving away 250 I believe it's 250, um, 250 North- slime eggs. Um, slime eggs. So get ready to get Nickelodeon the slime. Episode. They are the captives, captives Clash Edition slime eggs. It's the new <laughs> the new edition. We've got 250 to give away. Just give away. No, no Just give away. No, no questions. They're very asked. cool, Just, by the way. You want these. The, these are not the mega eggs. The mega eggs are like those big bundle collector sets. These mm-hmm. are just the you know slime egg with one little captives dino in them. Just but the again, one. it's free. free. It's, away. it's an egg away. and it's free. And, We've got like I think like maybe forty mega eggs left that we can sell something through. like that. Yes, wow. and there are also we were selling two hundred and fifty mega eggs. And uh, and I guess so what's worth noting nice is 
they were um <laughs> when they came to the states they were seized by customs uh and they just cleared customs they have now just arrived in my house and i will begin processing and shipping them to the people who bought them next week I Yay, nice. it's uh it's funny i received a i think it was a snapchat from chris uh surrounded by eggs giant uh, boxes of eggs big big it's pyramid like yeah, I, there's like literally a pyramid of boxes in my like house. 250 mega eggs inside Chris's house. The uh, the free the uh, free giveaway eggs will not be uh, from coming. They from will not be mega. They will not be coming from me either. They no, they will Cap be coming from it. yes, they will be coming from Captain's. But yeah, check that out and uh, the the giveaways on the site too. Check that out and uh, yeah, very exciting times. But uh, egg, what more can you say about that? They're great. Listen to our audio unboxing. Uh, <laughs> so our first ever. So you know that uh, wait, wait, wait. you know that uh, shot in uh, Alien when they're when they first land on the planet and they find the crashed uh, alien, the derelict ship. Oh, of course. And they're going through it with the flashlight, and there's all those eggs down there in the ground with the fog. Yeah, I'm like I have the perfect opportunity to recreate that. Like, <laughs> it'd be a missed opportunity. You know what? I, Universal be, never talked to him if he doesn't. It do would it be a shame if I don't recreate. If I just you have don't, to. I, I have to open up all these boxes and just set up the eggs in perfect succession, get a bunch of fog and take a picture at this point. It's okay. worth all the work. I mean, I would need like a warehouse to do it in, but I got to rent that warehouse, I guess as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll start a Patreon for it or a fundraiser or whatever it's called. Go fund me. Yes. Fund me to not ship your eggs just to take a picture with them. <laughs> just to pump some smoke into the room. Yeah. Smoke oh damaged God. eggs. But yeah, we will be <laughs> shipping those out soon. Anyway, sorry. I just, my, my mind. Yeah, we're okay, today. I love just, it. Uh, just don't do it again. Okay, so we're moving on. Let's talk. <laughs> let's talk. Camp Cretaceous. The season four trailer has dropped, and it is dividing people. Oh, we love a divide in the Jurassic fandom, don't we? We love a good divide. Oh, we're used to it at this point. Um, yeah, no, well, it's so it's not a real are... fandom unless there's divide. Of course, unless there's division, but what about multiplication? Um, so the trailer is here, and uh, yeah, I think that it's more divisive than I think a lot of us expected it to be. I'm actually the general gist of I would say like a good sixty percent, seventy percent of people are like, I'm not so sure about this. Um, to be honest with you. I share the concerns, but I'm I'm remaining cautiously optimistic that they will pull it off. Um, so hit me up with the answer to this question, Chris. Are we going back to Isla Sorna? Uh, no, we are not going back to Isla Sorna. You what are so fuck on that. is going on? <laughs> what the fuck? Kramer has that. confirmed that we are not going back to Isla Sorna. It's an all new <laughs> island. It's an all new island. Uh, oh, not one of the five all. deaths. That's so <laughs> not one of the five deaths. Not Isla Nublar. Not Isla Sorna. It's sanctuary. not mainland. It is an all new island that happens Oof. to be very close to Isla Nublar, between Isla Oof. Nublar and Costa Rica. They're just and, building islands now and making them up. And it's got dinosaurs. It's got robots. Ooh. It's got crazy, dogs. crazy <laughs> dogs, crazy robo dogs. Um, <laughs> it's not engine. It's not biosyn. It's just just it's I, I brand it's, new i guess it's banticore um it, yeah it uh, it yeah it's it, it's ex, it's expecting you to accept a lot of things but again i want to say i'm still cautiously optimistic they can pull it off um <laughs> i trust them they haven't done I bad mean, yet the the, the, well, the robo dog the robo dogs 
just the, fine. the animation of the robo dogs is a bit far from what we've seen in the trailer but if they only do things that are like a slightly more advanced boston dynamics like ro- robot can do then i can buy it and i can say hey the animation sure. in designs a slight embellishment of the animated format but when you take in consideration what they're doing, isn't that wilder out there? I can totally take it. So you can almost imagine like if it appeared in a movie, it might be a little bit more stripped back, a little bit more Boston dynamics. So yeah, I, I think that the design's a little too fluid, a little too animalistic and same with like the animation, but I can accept that as long as what it's doing isn't out of the realm of reasonability um, of grounding. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So, I mean, okay. So let, let's talk about the. So the Spinosaurus is back and I believe it was, uh, I was listening to our video that we put together. We were saying it was Scott Kramer that was talking, but was mm-hmm. it Zach Stentz that actually was interviewed by EW or was it Scott? No, no, no it was Scott. It was Scott. Zach okay, so we did tweet. get that right. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, was no, Zach. Zach wrong. We got the names right. Zach had a little meltdown on Twitter, but we won't yeah. talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was strange. Uh, okay, so uncharacteristic of him. Spinosaurus is back, and it's 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 sort of confirmed, kind of that it is the Jurassic Park three Spinosaurus. So that is one kind of does well, work with what's happened in Evolution two. However, you know, very oh, right. exciting. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so spoilers for Evolution 2. Um, because for spoilers, one thing, spoilers, the, spoilers. The Jurassic Park 3 level is like 20 minutes long, for one thing. Um, yes, it's it's, it's It's absurdly short. We can talk more about Evolution 2 in a second. Oh, but, we um, will. Um, Evolution 2 says that the Spinosaurus died in like 2001, killed by a pack of raptors while Ms. Ronnie and uh, we were there on the island like getting things for Jurassic World. So if Ugh. you... Assume that is. I don't know why they said that. It's just a really weird embellishment to create for the game. Um, well, it's not. It's a part of like that leaked uh, or the one of the proposed endings to JP three, wasn't it? When yeah, the Spinosaur gets killed. I, by everyone the says yeah. that, but I've never seen. Is there anything of that well, ending? When I, mean, asked, I asked, JP three said that. I asked Shelley that question. Oh okay. yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. When I interviewed him, and he couldn't recall immediately, but then uh, I think later it came up in the call again or something, and he was like, "You know, what? It, I do. That does ring a bell." He wasn't sure if it was in a script or whether it was a piece of concept art or something. But, you know, we got to remember it's 20 years ago, this film. 21 years ago that they were actually working on it. It's not in the ultimate JP visual history. No, um, no. It's not in any of the scripts that we have. I've never seen a piece of artwork for that. So I'm just so curious of where that idea came from. I think that there is a version of the one script that we have where the Spinosaur walks underneath them when they're in the trees, when the raptors are surrounding them. Um, and I think that maybe that took a life of its own and became rumored that, you know, because also at the end of the movie, the raptors and pteranodons were going to fight. Also, the military oh, right. was going to fight that. the pteranodons. The thing is, is like, I cannot source where the hell that came from. Anyhow, well, sorry, thing, that was it would make way. sense though, right? The big bad spino, the big bad dinosaur in that movie getting attacked by the raptors at the end, it kind of like aligns with the first movie. It makes like sense. Poetry. But, it rhymes. but we don't know. We don't know. But Thanks anyway, yeah, so... Spinosaurus is back, and by all accounts, it is the JP3 Spinosaurus. However, it's been taken off of its lovely home of Isla Sorna, Site B. It's in a desert now. What the hell? And it's in, well, in a it's desert. In, it's an on a brand desert new island, out of the blue, a nice convenient island, um, which was actually located on the other, other, other side of Isla Nublar. It's the other side of Nublar, yeah. yeah. It's in the other direction from Isla Nublar, and um, the kids end up on it. <laughs> oh, oh, there's an island, look. And yeah. So, um, is it more creative to have 
like a new island, or is it just better no. to go to one of the existing Cold islands? Yes, well, well, here's the thing: if you're going to a new island with the dinosaurs from the old island, I don't really understand. Yeah, it's what another it's island. It's, 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 it's another it's, island. It's just an island. It's just an island. And so here's here's the thing that I'm having trouble buying: <laughs> is the premise. Sweet. The premise of this trailer is that we're to believe that there was another island next to Isla Nublar that was in Salem. Not Sanctuary this time. Kids, next to the connect. five other islands that were already next there. Next to the five other islands that are already there. <laughs> and, and Costa the kids Rica. That nobody has known about. And it's got Ugh. dinosaurs on it. And nobody knows about it. And it's got technology on it that nobody has ever heard of or seen of in this world. We've never seen it reflected in the films that chronologically take place before Camp Cretaceous, including Jurassic World. We've never seen it in the films that take place after Camp Cretaceous, years after Fallen Kingdom. It's got this wild-ass technology. It exists right next to Jurassic World, and literally the world never knew about it. Because the world thinks the only dinosaurs are on Isla Nublar by engine. It's called good storytelling, Chris, okay? It's called it's good storytelling. That is where I can. This is such a commercially flown and visited area because Jurassic World was an open park, not this tiny little private game preserve that was like hidden. Yeah. You expect me to buy that the world doesn't know that this exists here. That's the thing that I cannot. If, if the campers like got kidnapped and got taken halfway across the world, totally fine. But from what we can see in the trailer, and the trailer might be faking us out, but from what we can see in the trailer, the Mosasaur screws with them. They end up washing ashore to a new island. And we must but remember that Mosasaur has only just left Nublar in so th- season that, so three. That, that, actually, that actually makes sense. It would still be around the oceanic waters. Sure, yeah, makes sense, yeah, yeah. So that, that yeah that's what I'm sense, saying. That's what I'm yeah. saying. It's right there. Like, So they're not that far when they get attacked from the island. It should just they're- be Sorna, man. It, just, it should be Sorna. Is, I mean, maybe the season will do a better job of justifying why it's a new island and maybe it will do a better job of explaining where it came from that's something that i'm definitely apprehensive about i, I it's certainly it's taking a leap of logic there and i think it would have been a lot easier to say hey remember <clears throat> that island that had dinosaurs on it that everyone thought was abandoned well it turns out somebody else has taken over that island they're you know for whatever reason everyone thought it was abandoned but stuff's happening there i think it'd be a lot easier to accept that something that people knew existed but more was happening on it than what they thought was happening. I think that's a lot easier to understand than saying, oh, hey, there just happens to be another island, and for some reason they built stuff on this island, but then they're taking stuff from the other island over there and bringing it to this island, even though they could build it on that island over there. And also nobody knew about this island. We've never seen it on the map. We've never heard about it, and the world somehow doesn't know about it. It's just it's expecting you. It's <laughs> it reminds so me of Skull con- Island, dude. It's, it's so like convoluted. Island. It's so Maybe it's the needlessly- Lost Island. Maybe it's like within a secret. It's it's a within a biome itself that's like invisible and you can't see but, it. it. But I'm more optimistic about it than most people because I don't know. Maybe it's explained. I and again, a lot of people are turned off by <laughs> the very robots. Optimistic. And, and I'm definitely. I, believe, I trust them. Uh, yeah, I, I want to trust them. Uh, my my worry is is this. My worry <coughs> is they had a plan that was maybe a little bit more grounded, maybe a little bit more tied to things. And then things changed. And within the changes, things got wacky. Um, Perhaps. Uh, because, you know, we, we know that originally Manticore was supposed to be Biosyn. They've said, said as much. And they're then told sort of towards the last minute that they can't use Biosyn. So my worry is, is maybe this was a season where we would have found out like what's going on with Biosyn and Dominion. And then eventually they're like, oh, you can't use Biosyn for one reason or another. Maybe the backstory is no longer aligned with what we're going to be shown in the new movie. Um, but my worry is, is then they just had to invent something that like 
is never going to be reflected in the films and just kind of doesn't feel like it's connected. And you really have to kind of shut off your disbelief to accept all of these circumstances. These very wild circumstances are happening. You both have to shut off your disbelief for why are they happening? And also how have they never really come into play elsewhere? We'll see, but they really season three was really good. Um, yeah. And grounded more uh, grounded. I mean, if you look at like season one felt quite grounded and it did a good job of establishing itself. Season two, in my opinion, was was poor, very exaggerated. And I think Chris's mm-hmm. theory of like maybe it was all in Kenji's head. Like, <laughs> you know, it was him his retelling <laughs> of what happened. I'm like, yeah, okay, that makes more sense. Very exaggerated story. Season three brought it right back. I think it's my favorite season. Very grounded. Yeah, very, it did it did things for the lore of Jurassic and it entertained those ideas. And it also, you know, just pushed us forward a little bit in the in linking with Wu and things like that. It makes sense. Um, while also being its own story, you know, the Scorpius Rex, it expands the lore of Jurassic world without ruining things. It fits, without it fits. Taking you to new lengths of like, well, how did this camp Cretaceous is the perfect place to visit the kind of origins of hybrids. That makes sense mm-hmm. because you know, why not? But yeah, by all accounts, this is season four is going to be another season two. I mean, I, it could be really, really good, and they could just it, the writing may just you know dominate. But I just worry because you know, but there's a Zach's, lot happening in that trailer. There's a Zach's, lot happening. Zach's argument for for not going to sauna would be like, why you know, why should we retread and go back over old things when we can create new stories and new law? And I'm, all my thoughts are is that. It's been 20 fucking years since we've seen Isla Sauna. I think it might be time for us to see or figure out what's going on with that island. And just, again, as Chris was saying, if you are looking for an island to have secret things going on and dinosaur stuff going on, wouldn't it make sense to use one of the four islands that have not been visited in any media for Jurassic? Especially in 2016. Mm -hmm. If you're spying on Nublar. This isn't chronologically set this isn't it in the world. It is not set far away from Nublar. Um, chronologically, it's set right after the events of Jurassic world. Well, before fallen kingdom, if this was set like after dominion and it could have been any part of the world, then yeah, I agree with him. Don't, don't retread back to Sorna, go somewhere else, tell a new story. I totally get that. But the thing is, is you have to consider where this is taking place geographically and where it's taking place in the timeline. That's why people are like, how the hell isn't this new? Like how is create inventing an all new Island? more creatively yeah exactly um, right cre- it's, how is that more creatively like creative. original <laughs> creative allow myself to introduce <laughs> myself um how how is it more creatively original than just actually working with what is established within the lore and then logically expanding from there I, yeah that, be creative think, in a new sense using old yeah old start start with your foundation your foundation yep. stone and then build out from it in a logical way rather than just sort of like ignoring a foundation point that actually has a sense of grounding and yeah, building exactly. it out and expanding it 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 just sauna of, sauna would allow them to to go back over jurassic law and there's been 20 years since we've seen the island so anything could have happened to it and that's their story to tell yeah exactly we haven't seen it in so long that literally whatever this i'm assuming again i'm assuming manticore um but it, it'd be really funny if it's not manticore and it's just someone else entirely it's like it's the grendel corporation it's yeah right it's ben oh, he's um, like i'm here but- to spy <laughs> <laughs> um 
but we haven't seen this island in so long that literally that would be a great way to explain away where Sorna has been. It's like, yeah, well, it got, you know, reclaimed by the Costa Rican government and this year and then eventually somebody else acquired it off of them. Maybe they're help, like they're freelancing, a company's freelancing to like maintain and run the island, something along those lines. And then you could go there and find out like, oh, they've got these crazy biomes. They're doing who the hell knows what there, yeah, everything yeah. like that. Like it, like they were like, you know, brought in to like, keep the island the public from like the dinosaurs from escaping the public to, from visiting and then meanwhile they're like back channeling all their crazy own stuff there that like nobody knew about these campers yeah. sort of stumble upon and you could say well well wouldn't then the world know by 2018 well yeah but then shouldn't the world know by 2018 that this other island this other company was breeding dinosaurs like this already the idea of enough the campers find out unless the campers just don't survive or they don't get off the island until after the event. <laughs> they kill of, them all. Yeah, like or they don't get off the island after <laughs> the uh, before one. the events of Fallen Kingdom. It's 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 tough to buy. Yeah, it's it's tough to buy that the world didn't know that there were other companies making dinosaurs and other companies screwed. It's sort again the the fact that we've already said this. Fallen Kingdom doesn't make sense for the way that it treats the world. Um, when you consider what you we've seen in the films, Fallen Kingdom doesn't make sense. Um, I don't so, want to talk know, about that movie. Yeah, you know, I don't Jurassic want to Park either. three. Jurassic film. Park three established. <laughs> Jurassic Park three established tourists literally take tours of Isla Sorna. So you believe me oh, that Jurassic genetic genetic companies were going there and taking talk DNA about and technology. Um, <laughs> so whatever, we've been through this yeah. a thousand times. No, no it's silly. It's saying, silly, but it just doesn't make sense. My issue is the entire premise of Camp Cretaceous season three sounds very contrived. It does not sound canonically logical. You mean season four. season four? Season four does not sound canonical, but they could still stick the landing. My hope yeah, is they could. They, they could dominate. The, it, the thing is, they've proved themselves. It's a good show. It, it does do good things for the franchise. So I, I'm I'm all faith. I can't wait to watch it. But it just <laughs> on paper, no. And Zach Stent's uh, tweets. You know, it makes me think that he's worried about the reaction and he's worried about how it's going to be That's rather than thing. him just trying to protect his work and just instantly as soon as the trailer drops he comes out defending it i'm like he, he hasn't done really that defensive about the sauna thing but i i feel like most people including myself their main concerns weren't like oh i'm so sad it's, it's not gonna be on his lasorna no, their main logic. concerns their main concerns were like these robots and these biodomes look kind of out there kind of generic sci-fi and kind of very disconnected from the films in terms of the technology that we're seeing here. And then people are also saying, why are we going to a new Island right next to Nublar when Sorna exists? Like that, that's mm -hmm. sort of you, like you, people you want to just... go to Sorna. People want to go to Sorna for the history of Jurassic park. But also again, like we said, there's just like a logical line. Like, like you're looking like a new Island. It's like, but why? Sorna has a when... story. It's got things on it already that are dinosaur related, and Mizrani's probably been there. Like it just has a lot that makes sense. And like we said, it, twenty years. It's got a Jurassic Park T Rex blanks. on it. You know, we've seen the Jurassic Park T Rex, the freaking Spinosaurus. Got... That's the, the weird thing is that they pulled out they went all these to Sorna from Sorna and put them on this new island. Why? The, <laughs> Why? It might as well just be Sorna. <laughs> the color yeah, shift yeah, Jurassic exactly. World Raptors. It's got biomes that look like Sorna. Um, very creative, guys. Let's take it's, Sorna on a new island, different name, it, but still yeah. Sorna. Yeah, that's, that's just, very creative. Ten, 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 guys. I mean, again, maybe they might like. As the, the premise, said, hey man, I don't know. I'm having fun with this. I'm the just premise fun. sounds like they wanted to say they <laughs> did something new, but like didn't really do anything new. So they just, just did something a bit more like convoluted than they needed to. It just did like, not need to be a new island. But like, whatever, man, it might work. Well, and and it's in terms of like the futuristic stuff and the new technology. Look, I think Ken Cretaceous 
it Again, could be cool. Cretaceous could pull it off, but also it's the kind of it's it has a right to explore those kind of things, even if it's not what I want from the franchise or what maybe is the most logical. Well, it it can explore those. That's fine. And if it does it right, then it does it right and it works. But yeah, as you said, the the, the dogs look the, a bit like really um, at this point. The really? thing is, is um, we've been told this the show is canon. We've been told it's canon. We've told that they've wanted to stay true to Jurassic Park. They want to stay true to Jurassic World. And listen. If Jurassic World Dominion comes out swinging and we see this technology in Dominion, then you know what? I will eat my words and I'll say, hey, this technology fits within the world. But if we don't see this technology in Jurassic World Dominion, then what the hell is this show doing and why was it allowed to do that? Because <laughs> it just is so illogical. But yeah. Well, I, season four might be the season where Colin uh, Colin comes out saying it's not it's not canon well, anymore. Well, the thing is, Colin has said that his favorite <laughs> his favorite episodes are in season four. So, like, and like he said, like even like when we get into season four, uh, you know, people will see that, that people will really understand that it's canon and really understand that it's building to Dominion. And I'm like, okay, but the interviews with Scott are saying it's not BIOS and it's not Engine, so I'm already confused. It might be a misdirect at this point. I, I'm kind of leaning that way, man. Just with the little things that we know about Dominion and quite frankly we don't know a lot so again maybe what we're seeing in this trailer like maybe this is a taste of what we're getting from jurassic world dominion like maybe there's gonna be robo dogs maybe there's gonna be technical biodomes i don't know i don't think so but we, maybe. we have made assumptions about dominion having biomes because of all the different locations we are visiting we did we did we've definitely talked about that before and i think there is definitely scope for that um but I don't know. Mm. So so basically in Camp Cretaceous, what we're seeing is that they go to an island and there's biomes on it. There's a desert and there's a snowy location, right? And there's pr probably other locations too. It just sounds um, like they just wanted <clears throat> a story that hits the same textures of Jurassic World Dominion. Like, oh, Jurassic World Dominion has deserts. Okay, let's create deserts, but it's in a biome. Oh, and it's got Arctic, so let's have an Arctic here, but in a biome. Oh, it's got like redwood type of forest, so let's create it, but in a biome. It just seems like they're trying... Oh, it's got a new company, so let's create our own new company. Th this oh, it's the thing got... New well, animals. Of, so let's create our own new animals. Like it just one, seems like one of the arguments. To... Well, one of their arguments was that you know that they want to do something new and not retread on old things. But all they've done is 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 stayed in the same location, just made a new island, and it's a jungle island that sits near the other island. So that doesn't really do anything else. <laughs> what they should the have done. The trailer might be a misdirect. Those kids up. Yeah, it could be. Uh, pick those kids up, taking them to the Atacama Desert of Chile, and done something there if that's maybe that's where manticore's lair is and they were working with ingen and, and very and the, the public eye. isolated yeah. in a desert but they are in reach which of, is like an endless ocean exactly but they are like oh okay we're, we're actually on the mainland we're just isolated in a very very far out location but it, it takes it well away from the islands well away from them and that in somewhere, a way I feel somewhere like new and somewhere that the territory is not so mapped out so it's a little easier to go like wow we had no idea about this but it makes sense because we had no we just don't know what's happening in this part of the world this area around isla nublar is just it's so it's really and i really hope the trailer's a misdirect because it's really messing with my ability to buy it logically <sighs> that this it just really it's 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 asking a lot. His brain, folks. It's asking it's <laughs> asking a lot of us, and it's it's asking a lot of us to accept that technology, considering we just don't see it in the films. Like we've seen fall. It's the world that they're living in is this normal world. If they could create these crazy advanced biodomes and have these crazy advanced robotics, why 
have we not seen them in the world? Do you it's know too what much I mean? like Godzilla versus Kong, man. I know it's this. Much, it seems very yeah. Godzilla versus like Kong it. Apex. I yeah. I'm not a fan. It's very from what I've seen the what they're doing. I'm remaining optimistic that they'll pull it off, but I do share the concern that it does just seem very generic sci-fi. Um, and it maybe seems maybe very, it just seems very '90s, mid 2000s cartoon of a franchise where they just go batshit insane and really don't have to adhere to any rules. That's Dino sort of Riders or something, like, you know? Like it, it's just I don't know. We'll see. I we'll do worry see. about it, but it, it's but funny. I'm also very Kingdom. excited. I'm very excited to see it. I'm remaining optimistic they're going to pull it off, but there is a part of me that's worried. And the more that I've read people's worries, the more that voice in the back of my head has kind of been like, yeah, no, I'm worried about that as well. I'm just like hopeful that it isn't the case because trailers can be very misleading. Um, I don't want to judge it until we see it because we just don't know the context. We'll see it soon enough, my friend. By all accounts, uh, Colin loves creating islands. I mean, if you think about the Sanctuary Island... That's uh, in Fallen Kingdom. That kind of came out of nowhere. We have <laughs> Colin loves creating islands that should be Sorna. <laughs> yeah, that should yep. be Sorna, yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's shut the hell up about that. Just stop, okay? Just stop. Stop being mean. Zach's enough is enough, okay? <laughs> I hope he has more tweet tweet threads. I hope he does a big tweet thread about Sorna. I don't even know what you guys are talking about, and I'm very excited to go look for this after this chat. <laughs> Alright, let's talk about Evolution 2. So I finally, finally, I don't know if you saw this, there was issues preloading the game onto the PlayStation 4, so I really did not get a chance to play the game. Uh, until Excuse last me. night, I had a little bit of a play on that game. And, what did you think of it? Um, okay, so, you know, graphically, it is a lot nicer. It does look like Evolution 1, but it does seem more refined. Graphics are nice. The menu, all the, uh, you know, AI and everything is is really nice. Um, I like it. I played a little bit of the first level, the Arizona campaign level. And, man, the frame rate drops are crazy. And the yes. glitching is kind of crazy at this point. And I wasn't even really doing anything. So it's confusing, but it seems yeah. like a fun game. Although, I mean, you know, I've obviously read Chris's review. I've read many other reviews. I've listened to people's info and I've read tweets. It seems very short, very not, I don't want to say half-assed, but it just seems like the wrong kind of direction. It seems patched together, maybe? Yeah, um, a little bit patched together. Like, obviously, it was delayed for Dominion, and then they had to delay. But based on the fact that it takes about two hours to complete the campaign, I'm just confused as to why they released this game as it is. I, I feel I, like they should have begged Universal for a delay in order to fully finish this game, or even delay it until Dominion comes out. Like, what's the harm? Everybody still me, played Evolution 1. Yeah, I don't understand why this game released when it did as it did. Um, Especially because it's really supposed to tie into Dominion. It all take it's all stuff that we've not seen yet. It's post Fallen Kingdom. It's like that doesn't necessarily mean it's canon, but it's definitely There's no dabbling. Way it's canon. There's no way. But well, I mean, we've seen enough from Jurassic World Dominion to know this is uh, touching on very similar notes. We've seen the DFW from the Jurassic World Dominion IMAX preview. That 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 helicopter that's chasing the t-rex oh see i didn't even know that i didn't know yeah that. see it has the dfw logo on it I never um, even so 
Yeah, no, there are a lot of elements that we've seen in Jurassic World Evolution 2 that, like, yes, absolutely, it's going, to, it's tying into what Dominion is doing. Yeah, loosely, have, but not like loosely. it's not tied but in. Exa- exactly. So it, I almost feel like they cut the story short, though, because I'm assuming. Yes, right. It ends in such an abrupt and weird it place. It ends abruptly and literally unceremoniously. It just ends. It's just like things are happening yeah, and it just like ends. They introduce a character for, like, what, two minutes and then the game's over? I'm like, what? Why? It's really weird it's why really, did I, it get released the audacity of them to charge 60 dollars for this game is blowing my mind it is i paid 90 dollars for this 90 I, I really i really do want to point something out uh a lot when the first trailer dropped i called it 1.5 it's evolution 1.5 and from all i can tell it really does seem to be evolution it's it's the first evolution with the gameplay slightly refined and slightly advanced so like it it addresses some of the issues of the gameplay loop that the first evolution had so i think that it does do a better job in some regards like what? give some examples bro. um i i think that the small the thing sign- when, you're, when you're placing the same item down like a rock it will auto oh yes that's cool give that's you cool. a different yeah. size yeah, yeah. or rotation i'm like okay cool that's yeah that nice. saves so that's much nice time thing. that saves yeah. so much time and little just, things just like that small things yeah I think that ter- taking the dinosaur comfort and giving and making that their um, enclosures a little bit more dynamic with what you yes, place there. I love that. I love that so much. Making the herbivores uh, feed off of paleo um, plants and everything like that. I think that that's a really really cool feature. I think it's Great very addition. logical. It's a very logical Great. feature. Yep. Uh, I like that. Um, I think that the scientist. Uh, I look at yes, you go first. I have, I have a lot to say about this. I think that it's both a step forward in some regards and a step backwards in other regards, where. Okay. Um, yeah. I think that it gets a little too cluttered and a little too clogged up for trying to do things. I think it's also a smart way to handle some of that. And I think they applied it to too many function, too many features. And it just, it's like in part, it creates a meta game where you want to pay yes. attention to their stats yeah, and, and you want to pay attention to their stats and their special abilities. Yes. I love but that. But the I other know, issue, I, 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 oh, I definitely like that. The I other issue that. though is it clogs up some of the other tasks that you're down. trying to do. It slows things down. So it's Momentum like in some ways it gives you more control over things. So it gives you more to pay attention to and more to focus on, which I like, but then it slows things down by tying these scientists to expeditions, to DNA extraction. I like that to, though, to man. research. I, I, Cause you gotta, you gotta like take care of your dinosaurs, you, your park and it, the scientists. It brings strategy. Really cool. It brings strategy. Into I like it, that a lot. I just think that sometimes, especially, uh in like uh chaos theory mode like the jurassic world chaos theory mode is literally like longer i mean it's literally longer than campaign oh my god i'm having yeah it's way longer it's not like six hours on two missions. and honestly i think jurassic world chaos theory mode is longer than the rest of all the other chaos theory modes it's like longer than campaign and chaos theory mode combined minus like its own self like the jurassic world level is just way too long Jurassic Um, world i haven't gotten there yet That's, that's that's after this which one are you do, on? Do you, just build, do you just um, build Jurassic World? Yeah. No. Well, no, in Jurassic World Chaos. Different. Oh no! In Jurassic World Chaos, here you just build Jurassic World. The difference oh, okay, being okay, okay, is okay. eventually you success. You know, the Indominus doesn't break out. I guess that's the difference. But otherwise, it's like we're gonna build our park. All right, here's the tier. To put yeah, it what's in the chaos theory my... mode of Jurassic World? It just the, well, the bad stuff doesn't happen. I guess would be the yeah. Um, well, Jurassic to Park put it in perspective way, right? is mm. my T Rex died of old age before I hatched my Indominus Rex. I had the same issue in the Lost World one. My um, T Rex and everyone died. Like yeah, it's it's 
the game doesn't do because campaign doesn't introduce you to the core mechanics. And to be honest with you, I don't feel like the Jurassic Park mode does a great job of introducing you to the core mechanics. The game doesn't do a great job of explaining how it works to you. So there's a very good chance that in your in your effort to learn the game's meta and the game, the way that it really works is you might end up being very frustrated by it because I know that's what I, I was finding myself. I wasn't finding myself challenged. I wasn't finding myself challenged. I was finding myself frustrated. Yes. There is a, there is a very big difference between a challenge and a frust being frustrated. A campaign could have been the great way to slowly introduce you to these concepts and put you in a better position to play the chaos theory mode. But it, absolutely doesn't do that and then it just starts the jurassic world level is horrible because it's one of those levels where tornadoes will come through did you start Um, with jurassic world or did you start a jurassic so unfortunately i played campaign beat campaign and then i jumped to jp so i knew that people played i knew that they showed jurassic park chaos theory and that people had played lost world chaos theory so i was like oh i want to start with something that i'm not familiar with i wonder okay i wonder what they're doing with jp3 so i jump into the jp3 mode and the jp3 chaos theory plays like campaign you don't build a park yeah you just capture some you capture some dinosaurs you throw them in a paddock and you ship them away it's literally like campaign it's not a park builder then jurassic world you go into it and then because campaign was so short and the jp3 level was so short the jurassic world one i'm like oh it's a park builder okay but the thing is is i didn't like build my park in a way that like yes you have to specifically build them in a way i didn't build it in the way of being like i'm gonna be required to hit five stars with this park and i'm gonna be spending hours on it so i spent like two hours on this park building it up and then i'm like oh my god like i don't think i'm like even halfway through i've already put so much time into it i had the same issue and i did not realize the game does not like it the game should probably tell you start with jurassic park and work your way through it because jurassic park gives you some introductory but even the thing is is guest transport is so important for the park and they don't really teach you how I haven't even seen that happy. Uh, yeah. Well, it's because Jurassic Park and Lost World don't have monorails. See, I think the pro- the thing that benefited me though, is because you started at Jurassic World, which I think is going to be a harder thing to go yeah. into. I started with the campaign JP one chaos and then Lost World chaos by the Lost World chaos mode. I started figuring out how the game actually functioned and I had a much better time with it. Yeah. But the trials and tribulations to get there aren't challenging. In very, the fun, fr- right? I spent like six They're very hours frustrating. on the first Jurassic Park They're mode. I was like, this very, is so hard. very frustrating. Um, yeah. yeah. The game does not have a learning curve. It just throws it. It just assumes that you remember how to play the first game, but the also, but it's too different is, from the first game. It's so my muscle memory enough. is going off. I'm like, I'm messing everything up. I'm like, it was too it, much. It, and it just doesn't quite explain itself. I think that the games also, I found that uh, the chaos theory modes, they last too long and the missions, they start out with a really strong story driven introduction. You're like, Oh, this is cool. And then eventually it just throws arbitrary tasks at you and asks you to five star the park. And you're like, okay. I kind of like, like that though. I kind of, I, I don't guess, like sandbox mode. I like this mode. Well, I like challenge mode. Once you I've learn how to play yet. the game, I like challenge mode because the tasks are less, less arbitrary. You go into each environment and there are a few modifiers. It might be like, hey, there's barely any herbivores. So just so you know, you're going to have to jump into carnivores, which is like a little bit more challenging to like manage. So just so mm-hmm. you know, and, or it might be like, hey, you're going to start with less money. And eventually your goal is to five star the park. 
but it's not going to throw you random tasks where it's like, all right, now breed an Indominus Rex. No, it's up to you to build <laughs> your park how you want it. So I like yeah. it because it's giving you these missions like, hey, choose between three missions, you know, build a new thing, you know, increase your guest comfort level or this. But there are these submissions that you can choose then how to enact them. Challenge mode is where the game is at its strongest also because it has all the gameplay features of digging up dinosaurs, extracting digging a digging a. Digging DNA. Mr. Digging A. What did you call <laughs> And uh capturing dinosaurs. Yeah, no, challenge it just that's the thing. You don't build a park in the campaign. You literally don't build yeah, it's not so a park. That's the thing, it's a park, park building simulator. That's what gets me. But so here's my question for you. They've obviously cut Dominion content, right? When that yes, Dominion content is 100%. ready to go, do you think it will be evolution three? <laughs> they may as well package it up as a brand new game. <laughs> um I know they're what I expect is they're gonna charge like twenty dollars for DLC. Oh my god, they better not. I would have fight. I will they say this. Not. This game is not worth sixty dollars in my opinion, and because most of it is repackaged from the first in new environments. There's a lot of love that went into it. For one thing, the dinosaur animations are incredible, and the di- dinosaurs look great. The problem is, is unless you're playing sandbox mode, you don't really have a time to stop and smell the roses. No, so to speak. I've not even looked at the. You dinosaurs can't even once. look at the dinosaurs because no things go, go crazy. So you no, can't really yeah. appreciate it. But there is a lot of love that went into it. Um, however, campaign's two hours long. Chaos theory mode is like kind of shallow. It's got these beautiful, beautiful. I'm having um, a great time though. Just beautiful intros. Interesting. Okay, yeah, I didn't quite like it. It's got these beautiful intros, but um, it just kind of quickly becomes boring and frustrating. Um, a challenge mode I've been enjoying, and then sandbox. It's like, yeah, it's cool because it's, it's not sandbox, for me. It's people, but people, I mean, if you like it, like I get it, but it's not for me specifically. But there's, I, need I want, I do. want more of a challenge. Like I want. Their sandbox, like I can do whatever I want, and that for me isn't as engaging as being no, tasked with a level to beat. It, with I, sandbox, there's a though, fine you, line between the two. With with sandbox, though, do you do you get bigger spaces to build parks in? So that's the thing: is sandbox doesn't even have all of the maps that you play in, in campaign or chaos theory, which is weird. Um, the the spaces are decent sized from what I've seen, because that was um, my issue. You know, but they're not I'm, like Jurassic Park Operation Genesis. They're not I, like. I, an island yeah that's the thing i do find it i know the operation genesis it was like ps2 era man so they give you an island but it's such a small island but you have a whole island to work with and it's nice uh maybe evolution my my main critique of evolution was you couldn't even zoom out to see the whole island you were supposed to be on Mm. new blast sauna panic you could you were supposed to be able to see them and you couldn't it was very restricted and it was way too small playing spaces uh and i thought this time they might just you know give you so much more space and they might give you the whole damn island and yeah maybe you could only build your park in a little bit but if you're doing a park simulator for jurassic world wouldn't it make sense that you also have to operate the docks the ferry terminals all the different parts of the island the restricted that's the thing, zone is you that's don't, too technologically complicated man that, you don't have the budget for that there's no I way see, the thing is it's weird though they spent most see- of their budget on goldblum uh, yeah did they, I fully... did they now did they really i don't think so Oh, absolutely! He narrates every mode. He's, he's literally like, like five seconds of talking. There's nothing. Yeah, there. but Goldblum's not... time is. He's you an think expensive that's guy, and he's oh, I in, guess I he guess. talks through you. He talks to you through like all of Chaos Theory. He talks to you through all of Challenge. He talks to you through all of Sandbox. Oh, see, I didn't even um, know he was in Challenge. I thought he was just like a little um, bit the start of. He's Chaos like and well, everyone's sort of in Challenge. It's like a hodgepodge of everything. I mean, obviously, like Hammond or Mizrani aren't, but like everyone current era are in Challenge. Um. Was Ronnie's so, voice is not great in this game? Yeah, I and Very also bad. them making him money grubby. Uh, I felt Yuck. like a really bad characterization of Simon Ms. Ronnie, and 
kind of insulting. Like That's kind of absolutely yeah. not what Maserani was. Yeah, I was sort of like, ooh, bad, bad form. Um, uh, anyhow, the island, the the place wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. They have Mizrani oh, in Evolution too. Yeah, just for one level, the JP three level. Okay. Oh, and the Jurassic World, and the Jurassic World level. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, hang on. Okay. So fat. Maybe. So in the Jurassic Park three level, it takes place obviously well before Jurassic World. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. almost fair enough. What if he? I mean, he's he's a mogul. He had to set up these companies. He probably was money crazy. Probably was, you know, that kind of person. Maybe the dinosaurs do softened him. You know, like maybe. After he know. finally he, built Jurassic World, got all the success, saw all the happiness in the families, maybe that softened him. I don't know. He just but, seemed like a bad stereotype in, yeah, in yeah. the game. Like, uh, I, yeah, generic rich Indian dude. Oh, gross. it's like it was. It was did not feel like Simon Mizrani, who was like this no. eccentric, charismatic, slightly out of touch dude. Where then Evolution turned him into a stereotype. I'm like, this seems. He I'm like I feel, I feel I'm like I feel a little weird about this, and yeah. also just he doesn't sound right. But like the way they wrote, way off. the Does way he they sound wrote, as good as Owen. <laughs> Owen sounds good in this game. I think Owen, Owen sounds all right in the game. Owen sounds okay, but it's obviously not Chris Pratt. But I find it funny how it goes. From I don't know, man. It's not bad though. It's perfect bad. Bryce yeah. Dallas Howard. Like this is Claire Derrick, and then she's like, "This is Owen." And he's like, "Howdy!" Like all this fucking. I'm dude, a dinosaur wrangler. Closer than you think, though. but Sometimes it's actually. Close, though. It's They're not already good. Great. It's okay. Dude, it's pretty good. I'll say it's pretty I, good. I'd it's say he's okay. pretty good. It's okay. He's, he's, no, me he's pretty, pretty indistinguishable. But yeah, one thing solid. I want to I want to rewind back think to that. Jesus. That's where the budget went. Play, it's part of Arizona. Went, yeah. I've only played part of Arizona, and I don't. Uh, yeah, so you know, I've I've got a lot of game to play and uh, listen I, to this fake. Owen. Yeah, well, the second the second level though, I want to rewind is talking about big play spaces. The second level, your buildable area is very tiny, but you take the vehicle or the helicopter and you drive through this massive. Uh, no, no, no. The second level. Well, that's another great example. But the second level that was is cool the, one. the second level is the one where you track down the Allosaurus. Oh, almost Canada. Almost Canada. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's huge. The the play space in which you can drive through on that level oh, is very not annoying. Build, driving that stupid but space, it, though, it is huge. It's so massive. Obviously. Yeah. Can they, render, they can obviously render wide spans of land filled with trees and foliage. So it's not a technical restraint in no, that No, I regard. think it is still because the, the playable space stuff that you were The playable in, space is super very, tiny. very narrow. I think exactly. that's the issue. That's where the issue arises. I, I, I why? Why they do that. You I get games like up, Cities XL, which is a city builder, and you can have giant play spaces. And like, I just don't understand why they... Yeah, it's it's it not that it doesn't make sense. It's to me. I mean their engine might struggle with it, but the thing is, is I was even thinking the game about it, like, is struggling itself. I, yeah. It's, oh if you're yeah. Not on PS5, if you're not on even no, you even had on issues. PS5, man. I'm on PS5. Well, it's not great. So I'm yeah, I mean I wrote about it in systems. my review. I yeah, had yeah. multiple crashes. Um, Crystal, I had the, the game crash on me multiple times. Yeah, Xbox Series X and the the frame rate chugs, especially when I built like a huge functioning park on uh, Isla Nublar for the Jurassic World level. The frame rate in some areas it's that were sub dense, sixty, it can would, hit sub thirty. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm it it would start start strobing yeah. at times. And then the other yes. thing is, is there's a lot of technical issues where there's um 
with the draw what distance, they... rather than like shadows oh, fading in and out, man. they just turn off and on. But it's not just shadows. Sometimes it's lighting. Like Trees, at a certain dinosaurs. distance, at a certain distance, lighting will just turn off and on. Like you get a little closer, and lighting turns on. You back up a little bit, light lighting turns away. Now this might sound like a small complaint graphical it's like yeah hey it's not great but whatever well the thing is is when you're up above in bird's eye view and you need to identify what's going on you need to find your dinosaur and click on them and then you start zooming in and then all this shit starts popping in you suddenly lose sight of it because there was this nice clean play space and rather than it being rendered in properly suddenly all these shadows and lighting things and you just lose track of it because the the entire the entire visual depiction changes and then it starts chugging and then it might crash um no, this game needed more time in the oven because it's got it's got the it's almost ing- there. It's got the ingredients. It's not as good as it could have been. It's not as evolved as it should have been. Oh, but it's damn. got the ingredients, that's and a, it just needed more time in the it. oven. You know, it's funny because last night I even had some errors and problems with it myself. So the frame rate dropping, yeah, that was something that was happening. And I know I'm playing on a PS4, so I'm I'm past generation now. But uh, yeah, no, the Triceratops in the first level when you when you have to trank trank them and then you know get them up, it takes two two rounds to trank them fully. Mm-hmm. So when they're in that first round, um, two of them were just frozen off the ground running. Yes, I've had issue with moving, those and then. They all of a sudden jumped and they weren't in that location anymore. They were somewhere, oh, somewhere else. See, I never had I was them just jump. like, what the hell, man? It's like this stuff didn't even happen in the first game. But wait, memory. wait until it happens. Wait until it happens to one of your dinosaurs in your enclosures and they get frozen in, in place and therefore they're not feeding. So then they start starving to death and becoming dehydrated. That happened okay. to my stupid Celiophysis too. It would just randomly start dying. I'm like, what's wait wrong with that you, happens? And then your entire park rating starts tanking and then your dinosaurs start becoming unhappy. Um, or wait until it happens in one of your aviaries. So then your aviary, okay, you can't trouble. trank dinosaurs in aviaries. I found out the no, hard way. The AI has frozen. to do it automatically with the drone. But guess what can happen? The drone drone? gets what drones. The drones get stuck. Well, I didn't even know there were drones in this game. What so you when you assign drones? a ranger, when you assign a ranger to a aviary uh, hatchery to like medicate your dinosaurs or tranquilize them or whatever inside what? the aviary. The, the ranger drives up to the hatchery and then they take control of a drone and the drone flies around and does the task. Um, the problem is, is the drone can get stuck in the hatchery day, bay door and it will just sit there. <laughs> so then what? you're, then you're um, flying reptiles. Then you're flying reptiles are continuing to spread their sickness or whatever is going on. And the drone's just sitting there doing nothing. And the rangers just like, they, it'll go on for 20 minutes. How, how did this happen though? Answer. How did this happen? so broken. It is so broken. And they and the even have delay. Barely, the game the is game barely an evolution. The game I'm is barely an evolution over the first game. And it is quite a bit broken. It has so many issues that can be game-breaking. It is quite... It is frustrating. It can be a lot of fun, but it is very, very frustrating. This is not what a AAA title for a massive franchise should be. This needed more time in the oven. It should not have released in this state. It honestly should have released in a state that was more advanced from the first game in terms of gameplay. Anyhow, things like docks or you know, it's about building your own park. So why can't I build my own park with the different rides, exhibits, and everything else like that? Instead, we're using the same buildings as the first game. They added the uh, Paleo Medical Center and um, a few other small things, but like no new rides. There's no like catwalks for your guests to like walk over. There's no like you don't get to build your own park. Is the yeah. thing. And the other thing is, is they took features away from the first game in terms of like decorations. Uh, it, well, you know how in the first game you can build decorations of like trees and whatnot. 
you can't do you can't do decorative oh, trees. Oh right, I've, yeah, the I didn't trees like that are either. only tied okay, yes. to the food now. So the problem is, is you can't build your food trees and then build things that don't necessarily modify the environment like that. The other issue is the foliage and rocks are tied to the environment that you're playing in. So you can't build a forest. Oh, you can't build no a T-Rex. forest out in the desert. Everything like the that. It's like, you think that you should be able to do that at least in sandbox mode. I know it doesn't really make sense, but like. The other game allowed you to kind of... They had a few basic decorative trees. The decorations in the game are very small. There's like the Jurassic Park signs, a few Jurassic World signs, and that's it. It's just not really a whole lot there for the decorative uh, elements. I haven't delved in yet. The terrain tools are the same as the first game, uh, but I think it would be better if you... A little could, like, bit maybe, clunkier. Uh, I it, found clunkier. They should have taken a forge approach, at least, where like maybe there's some pre-built like giant terrain pieces that you, instead of... You know, I almost feel like... Almost feel like speaking it. of Forge, see, did you hear that a Halo Infinite multiplayer yep. might be launching Monday? I don't have an Xbox in Edmonton, it's at home in Ottawa. Oh, well, you better get that shipped <laughs> to you so we can uh, play. Uh, I was gonna um, say, that, did you find the, the terrain in uh, Operation Genesis? The terrain controls were better in that game than they are in both Evolution you know, and Evolution 2. But there's a lot more happening in the terrain in this game, so I understand why it's more complicated. You have a lot more graphical functions. You have a lot more grass. You have just a lot more going on. I, on I just that, never found in on it worked, though. Like oh, I was like, but, oh, I need to level this. And you try and level it, and you're like, nope, that's not working. Okay, uh, let me I raise the terrain here. It's like, okay, no, it's raised yeah, the yeah, wrong that's section. That's okay. hard to do. That's hard yeah. to do, though. I understand. It's frustrating, but what I do understand that you can't necessarily make these crazy terrain adjustments in that terrain tool. What I do wish that you had the option is maybe as in decorations or maybe their terrain pieces was like, hey, you know what I want? I want to build part of my park up on like an elevated cliff face, like a plateau. I wish that there was just like a plateau piece that's just like a big piece that you can slam down and then it's yeah. buildable on top of yeah. within like a slope that oh, comes off of it that I wish there were some pre-built terrain pieces that you can then use to build on and around that then you can then work with the terrain tools to like make it look like that. The other issue is if you start screwing around with the terrain uh, and then you take control of your ranger teams, good luck because you just might slam into the ground and flip over or get stuck on like, oh, can be, and it's very frustrating when like time is of the f- essence and you're sitting there trying to stop a breakout, trying to stop you from going into the negative money. Uh, and then your your ranger just gets stuck against the sidewalk. And you're like, what is going on? Like, I, there's like a tiny little slope. It's a little divot. Yeah, it's a yeah, divot. Yeah, a tiny little divot. And your car is just stuck. And then like, next thing you know, your IREX ate somebody. And you lost a million bucks. And next thing you know, you're in the red. And you're like, all right, I need to load my save from 15 Yes. Oh, that's my God. Every time um, with the raptors. Uh, those goddamn raptors in Jurassic Park. And when, once you get better at it, you can start to figure out ways to avoid those situations. But the thing is, is the gameplay shouldn't actively be punishing you. It should be challenging you. And I feel like it's actively punishing you. You know, I think it's sad that... Uh, as Especially a huge, with glitches. As a huge Jurassic fan, um, I didn't... You know, there really wasn't that much excitement for me to actually play this. When it came down, once it had installed okay... And it was there. Yeah, I was you, just like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, right. Let's, I'll play it. I'll play it. And then after a bit of time ooh, in Arizona, I, uh, I jumped into Grand Theft Auto, the uh, the the uh, definitive edition, of Grand Theft oh, Auto Three, because that came out yesterday. Yeah, I got it. Vice I got City, San Andreas, and wow. GTA Three. Man, I love Vice City. A lot of fun, man. I'm playing. I'm playing them in order because I did that when I was young. And yeah, they're great games. So I'm playing GTA Three first, but I can't wait to get to Vice City, and I can't wait to get to San Andreas. I spent a lot of time. San Andreas is cool. San Andreas, best Grand Theft Auto. Speaking of Mike, Vice City, Chris is drinking vodka from a. I guess no, a no, water it's bottle? water, but it tastes like carrots. 
That's good for I you. just <laughs> opened a water bottle and I took a sip and it tastes like carrots and I'm very confused and concerned by that. That is actually that is a perfect segue mm. to the next segment. Wait, I did want to say one thing real quick. Is a lot. He of people, always has something else to say. Yeah, always, one thing, always a lot of people he, read he my runs review. The perfect segues is what happens. Always, every I know. Time well, you that's actually what I'm here for. Um, a lot of people read my <laughs> review when it first came out before the game was out, and they read my review, and they're like, "Man, all these other reviews are pretty positive." Like, yes, people. Yes, careful, 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 But I've had a lot of people contact me afterwards and went like, "Damn." You were on point. <laughs> like, all that, you, a lot honest, of people all I've like, seen on Twitter is on people point. saying, "Hey, I started Evolution Two tonight and I just finished it. What the fuck?" <laughs> Remember, I texted you guys yesterday. I'm like, "This better not be it. There's no way yeah, I'm gonna fight." Yeah. <laughs> I think it's just, it's just, it's a weird release. A weird release to say that. But sorry, Chris, you said carrot water, and that reminded me. So last week or the week before, Christopher James Pugh. Caleb James Not Burnett and <laughs> Derek James Davis interviewed oh, the legendary, Jesus. the legendary, the iconic, the legacy of Jurassic Park. John like Bell. You're being sarcastic, but you're not. I love John Bell, man. <laughs> I'm, not being, yeah. I, I'm being serious. They interviewed yeah, I love Mr. John, Bell. John Bell himself. What an absolute legend. He yeah. is the concept artist behind. He designed the Jurassic Park vehicles, the tour vehicles, Barbasol, the vehicle, the gates, the visitor center, the Barbasol. Wait, he, he designed the interior of the Barbasol can. He designed the Barbasol. Yeah, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's an absolute legend, and they got the chance to speak he's to him. Chris, what was that like? It was a really, it was a really great chat. He was really conversational. He had a lot to say. Um, it, he he knows about Primanti Brothers sandwiches in Pittsburgh. Oh you know. yeah, we ate there. We ate there with Tom Fish and then. Yeah, the important things. He knew about the important things. Yeah, he's like, oh, you're from Pittsburgh, then you must like Primanti's. I'm like, did not expect that. Turns <laughs> out there's a Primanti's offshoot. I think in um, I feel left uh, out in, L- in L.A. Uh, it's not called Primanti's, but it's owned by the same people. I feel left out. I was on a shoot when you guys did the interview. I was uh, I was very jealous, but it sounded like a really good interview. It is a really good interview. And we're going to jump into that now. And don't worry, after this lovely interview with uh, the three Jameses and Mr. John Bell, <laughs> me and Assis and Chris, we will be back. Don't you, don't you worry about that. We will be back. But uh, yeah, enjoy the interview. So how did you become the art director of Jurassic Park? Well, I had um, I'd been working at ILM from, let's see, I started in ILM in the fall of 1985. And I was working on Star Trek IV. And then just kind of when you're working at ILM, at least back then, I think it's pretty much the same way it is now. Is once you finish up one project, you just kind of dovetail into the next and into the next and into the next. So. Um, so I finished working on Star Trek IV and then um, got right into Willow after that in 86. And then the summer of 86, um, management, island management came in to the art department, which the art department at that time was Dave Carson and myself. And they came, and they came into the art department and they said, um, Bob wants to do a sequel to Back to the Future and we have no script. Um, we know we're going to go 30 years in the future and there's something called a hoverboard. And so I just started coming up with ideas of what Hill Valley would look like, hoverboards, et cetera. And then from there, I know we're talking about Jurassic Park right now, but then um, after Back to the Future, then I got into Rocketeer, uh, Cocoon, The Return. And in the summer of 91, 
um, I wanted to take a break from ILM. So I put in my request for PTO and I was going to take off the whole summer and just go on a little road trip and see what was going on around different parts of the country. And my girlfriend at the time was uh, Joanna Johnston. She's a costume designer. And she was working on Far and Away up in Billings, Montana. So I drove up there and spent a few weeks up there and um, got a call at the hotel, Rick Carter. I don't know how he found me because I didn't tell anybody I was going to Billings, Montana. But Rick Carter called and um, contacted me and he said, I'm working on a new project, Jurassic Park. I said, what, Jurassic, what's that? And he says, it's his, it's his book. You got to read this book. It's Michael Crichton's new book. And it's about dinosaurs and blah, blah, blah. And they get loose and all havoc ensues. And so I said, yeah, that sounds pretty cool. And he said, well, when can you come down? I said, Rick, I'm up in Montana right now. He says, well, when can you come down? So we negotiated back and forth. Anyhow, I started in September 91 was when I moved down from um, the Bay Area and started in the art department on Jurassic Park in September 91. That's my long story. Hey, we like long stories here, so that's okay. <laughs> as long as you want. And never feel bad about talking about Back to the Future, by the way, because that movie is equally amazing in its own way. All of them, all three of them. <laughs> I, I just love the fact that Rick Carter was able to uh, track you down uh, somehow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know how he found me. Maybe he must have gone through Joanna, you know, talking to somebody who knew Joanna and Joanna said, oh, yeah, he's at Montana. I don't know. I That's don't know. amazing. It all, worked out. it all worked out well. Yeah, yeah. it's definitely meant to be. Yeah, that's how those things go. So. Yeah. yeah, it's all a matter of so much luck and timing involved yeah. with, these, with these shows and getting involved with the shows. It's, it could have been anyone, you know, but it was just me being there at the right place at the right time. It's usually how it works in Hollywood, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's that's great. I mean, what what was it like working with Rick Carter? Rick was well. I you know coming from again, I have to kind of backtrack a little bit and talk about my experience on Back to the Future because he came up in '88, the fall of '88. He'd seen the stuff that I'd done in '86, the like 30 drawings, and we'd sent a slide sheet down to Zemeckis, and um, two years had gone by and. So in 88, Rick came up with, um, with a couple other, I think he came up with maybe Steve Starkey. can't remember. Anyway, I was called into a meeting with Ken Ralston and Rick and a few other people at ILM. And, um, and Rick um, got me involved in Back to the Future. So we hit it off. He really liked the work I'd done on that. And he, unbeknownst to me, he kept my name in his head. And so when Jurassic started to roll up he um contacted me and so he got me involved and he is such a generous guy though um i remember with like the first couple days that i came into the art department you know they'd already been doing so much work tom cranham marty klein jim teagarden he had a whole big art department going full steam on this thing by the time i showed up and but still he said you know, we've done a lot of work on it. Take a look at what's being done. Look at the script. And I want you to just come up with whatever you, whatever interests you, whatever turns you on, as he puts it. 
and um, just start coming up with ideas. And so that's what I did. I just started coming up with ideas for the vehicles and for props and scenes, storyboard scenes, and just a random, random, you know, assortment of things. And um, it just kind of blossomed from there. So, but it's just Rick being really generous to answer your question. That's awesome. I mean, yeah, for him to think of you, I mean, because the, the way I see it is when I think of Jurassic Park beyond the movie, uh-huh. I think of your artwork in the original making of book and just <laughs> yeah. the way your work like exudes that personality. Oh, thanks. Uh, yeah, it just really speaks to all of us, I think I can say. And it's, what's interesting is there's a lot of darker elements of the novel like the baby raptor perched on the, you know, the human baby's crib in one of your yeah. illustrations. Uh-huh. And when was it decided to scale back on the darker concepts? Boy, I don't, you know, I don't know particulars on that one, but I, I was always wanting it to be pushed darker. And I think I, I should have known better because if Stephen was directing the movie, I knew it was going to have to appeal to kids because he knows how much kids are enamored by and inspired by dinosaurs. So I just figured it can't be as dark as I was hoping for. And so I think he just started scaling back that stuff from the novel pretty early on. Yeah, because we've never even seen like artwork depicting like the pteranodons, for example. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's never something we've seen. So I guess they cut that pretty early too. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. As far as you know, do you did, did you ever potentially even work on some rough sketches or did anybody else work on anything regarding the trend on scene from the first from the first no, Jurassic not, Park? Yeah, not that I recall. And I know I had done that one sketch with the with the baby raptor on the crib and it never went anywhere. You know, I think by the time I had done that, it, it had already been decided we're going in a whole different direction tone-wise. That's a shame because I, I love that illustration. Like I love the darker stuff from the book, especially oh that scene because it's such a, a creepy image. Yeah. <laughs> Dark implications. <laughs> and I didn't really understand the whole scale between like a Wrangler Jeep and a T-Rex. I thought, and I drew up a sketch of this, that the T-Rex just devours the whole Jeep like a, like a, a shark would. So I'd done a sketch like that, and, and we went, man, is the scale really right? Can the T-Rex really do that? Yeah, I think that was, um, since I was, like, lifted from Crichton, like, you know, the T-Rex lifts the car up in the book. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think that's where they got that from. But, I mean, no, you're right. Like, that was a bit of a silly thing. And I think it was, I think it was Phil Tippett who came up with the suggestion to Spielberg to cut that out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. probably yeah phil was great the whole show through he was fantastic did you guys work together much on on it yeah he and i um he and i kind of went way back to the willow days that's where i got, first got introduced to him and so getting a chance to work with him and dennis Mirren and those guys again on on jurassic was fantastic because phil's just like a high energy no bullshit type of guy, you know, he's, he's going to tell like it is, and he's going to, he'll bleed for his art for sure. No, that's, that's great. We love seeing that kind of dedication for our Mm -hmm. franchise here. (laughs) Yeah. There were some funny stories with him and 
Paul Verhoeven on Starship Trooper too. <laughs> Those two are pretty crazy. Oh yeah, well they they almost did a dinosaur movie together, right? Did they really? I didn't know that. That would have been that would have been something. Yeah, that yeah. would have been nuts, huh? I uh, I've had the chance to talk to Phil, and I absolutely just love how candid he is, and just how passionate he is. <laughs> like you said, just sort of no bullshit, but he's definitely he's very invested, uh, and I just appreciate that level of just earnest candidacy. Who just says what what he's thinking? Yeah, you don't come across that too often these days. No, no, not <laughs> not at all. It's definitely it's always uh, a lot of people play politics with their words. I find, mm-hmm. especially, I mean, which sometimes you got to, but. Yeah, it's very rare to find somebody that can successfully navigate the industry while remaining that candid. Yeah, yeah. There was another concept art with Dennis Nedry, and he was seen in the Jeep trying to get to the East Dock during like a rainy storm. Mm. But he's kind of, you know, cut off by toppled construction machinery that's in the way. Now, was mm-hmm. that just an idea that you came up with or was it something that you saw on a script? I think that was something, you know, a lot of these memories, it's going to, it might be kind of foggy because we're going back, what, 30, almost 30 years or something. Yeah. (laughs) So um, if I remember right, I think I was just going through the script and just making some preliminary little thumbnails of moments that I thought would be pretty cool to bring to color and bring to life. And I think that was one of them. Um, It was just such a dramatic scene and, I wanted to just illustrate that and see what that would look like. Muddy slopes. Yeah, and I was going to say, I love the way it looks with those muddy slopes. It just looks like a very devastating you know, place for him to be during you know, what's supposed to be a very time-sensitive moment of the story. <laughs> so yeah, here it is. He's, he's cut off in the rain and the muck, and then he's going to encounter the, the dinosaur. And Yeah, that was a great scene. That was a fun scene. Yeah, totally. And I, I like how it's different in your in your vision of it. Because in the film, you know, it doesn't come across like machinery like that. Instead, it's just he, you know, hits the sign and doesn't know where to go. And then he ends up going, you know, down a hill, basically. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I, I think your concept is more interesting, in my opinion. Right. Yeah. If you get a chance, talk to David Lowry. He did so much of the storyboarding, the final storyboarding on the film. Really entertaining, very colorful character. Well, I mean, speaking of storyboarding, you did several sequences of your own for Jurassic Park that kind of evolved as, you know, time went on and some of them were cut entirely. And I know one of those was John Hammond being left behind on Mm -hmm. the island with, you know, his fate in the hands of the dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. And we've seen several other variations of his death, including, you know, death by confies in the visitor center or (laughs) death by raptors in the movie theater and you know even falling on a park model by a raptor so i mean were they were you guys just trying to come up with fun ways to kill john hammond (laughs) yeah i think a lot of those were those probably were sketched up by um tom cranham and maybe maybe dave lowry i can't remember who did the drawings for those but i i liked him kind of being left out in the jungle on his own and then you pull back to see that wide swath that the brachiosaurs have traveled through and across the island. I don't know. I just liked him being out there all on his own with no protection at all. Yeah, that seemed like a fitting end for like 
you know, the older version of that character, you know, he, he was mm-hmm. more of like a menacing character in the book and even in the early versions of the screenplays. So yeah, I felt like that was a pretty fitting sort of depressing end, which is great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, I think it was just too dark. The tone was a little too dark for what Steven wanted to do with it. You know, it's kind of funny. I I've wondered if that concept is what inspired in a early version of Jurassic Park three, one of the versions, I think the version that was tossed about uh, six weeks before they filmed um, <laughs> Grant stays behind on Sorna at the end of it. And there's oh, a very yeah. similar, and there's a very similar shot where like they're leaving on a helicopter and Grant's just like kind of standing there in the forest um, left behind, but by, by his own volition though, is the difference. But it, the, the way that it's described um, kind of invokes a similar imagery to the piece of art that you did there. Yeah, maybe it did inspire. You know, you never know what comes out and what's picked up in people's heads and gets hung on to. Yeah, no, it's it's funny. I mean, hell, hybrids free date. I think hybrids date back even further than people realize. I mean, Spielberg had a maquette made, um, a realistic maquette for something called an Ultimasaurus back in like 95 96 and it sat in his office for a long time and it's something that he really i think even in the lost world he experimented with the idea of like a super raptor or something like that yeah it's one of those things that just sometimes a concept can spark an idea and really shape things in the future Mm -hmm. yeah one of those things was even in the original jurassic park is there was the inclusion of lava fields and some of the concept art you know which that was inspired from the novel of course but then it ended up being carried over into fallen kingdom eventually mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you remember anything about the lava fields or just kind of like white noise for the production <laughs> no I, I i don't remember anything about about the lava fields I'm trying to think was there any artwork in the making of the first book the art of that had anything with the lava fields in it no, but I found some. Of course you did. <laughs> As I think I've sent you. I think I've sent it to you, but that was a long time ago. Um, I know I'm pretty proactive in uncovering lost worlds of concept art. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, that's interesting because it dates back to how Jurassic Park was powered, you know, from geothermal power, which was something that the book established in the movies don't really acknowledge it although there's like a lot of background stuff to suggest like it still exists they just don't really put the camera on it um, yeah. and i think that's when uh you know at the end when the geothermal fields were where the raptors made their nests underground in the in the novel and i think in some of the early ideas or the early explorations at least if i'm not mistaken hmm. interesting but i don't think you ever finished reading the novel did you john nope <laughs> To this day, I still haven't. No. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I know. That's bad of me. Well, it's funny because the movie and the novel are such different animals at the end of the day. So yeah. it, there's so there's so many similarities and there's just so many differences that they really, you know, they really do have their own identities. Yeah. And, you know, with 90 minutes or 90, 95 minutes, whatever the film ended up being, you can only put in so many things and you want to have the pacing be correct. You know, you want to have things happening in half an hour and 45 minutes and an hour 15 and all those different points that Hollywood tries to hit with action. So, you know, you you kind of have to build your stories around those constructs. 
Yeah, no, and I think that that sometimes those limitations uh, really serve the story in at least a film and through the lens of a film. I think a lot of movies sometimes have too many, they're, they're afraid to let go of some of their ideas and you have too many ideas thrown at you at once and the movie gets a little too bloated and, you know, it might work on paper, but in the final film, sometimes it doesn't quite, it complicates things. Yeah, there's something to be said about minimalizing your content. Speaking of books again, like, because Rick Carter mentioned in the original making of book that he was never a huge dinosaur fan before he worked on the movie. Now, mm-hmm. are, are you the same way or did you always have an interest in dinosaurs? No, I always had an, I always had an interest in them. Um, I can't say I was fanatical about them, but, you know, as a kid growing up, sure, we were uh, kids in the neighborhood, myself, my brothers, we were all interested in, in dinosaurs and anything that had to do, anything that had to do with prehistoric era or, or future. Those are kind of like the two areas that we always gravitated towards. Never the present day. It was always, we're going to go way back in time or we're going to go way forward in the future. So the Jetsons, Flintstones, um, I don't know what else. Lost World, um, the original Lost World from what, 1925 or 27, whatever that was. Yeah, love it. Love it. You know, that was always really cool. The King Kong movie when that was a dinosaur and that too. Or was it Pterodactyl? Yeah, I think it was pterodactyls and King Kong, and I think yeah. like their version of an Allosaurus, which is like bigger than anything on this planet. <laughs> yeah, and they had the Triceratops, the big uh, fighting with the Triceratops. Uh, I think it was Stegosaurus. Yeah, Stegosaurus. That's yeah. Right. Stegosaurus. Yeah, that that that's fantastic. No, I think that speaks to why the Jurassic franchise is still successful because like kids are always going to like prehistoric life and there's always new discoveries being made about it. And like, it's just a continual thing. So, yeah, our kids growing up um, just loved them. Just our daughter, especially just devoured anything around dinosaurs. I think one of the things that it's kind of interesting that you say that your interests always, you know, were either way in the future or, uh, you know, in the distant past is Jurassic Park is this weird hybrid of the past and the future. And mm-hmm. it, its vision of the future is more grounded. And, you know, especially in Jurassic Park, it's, it's meant to be very approachable. It's mm-hmm. sort of like the big lie is like, what if technology was just a little bit more advanced? And what if we could clone dinosaurs? But it's interesting how some of those, those elements were infused in with like your vehicle designs. Mm-hmm. I, I, I found like just the way that you took a vehicle that existed and then helped shape it into something that became so incredibly iconic. And it sort of felt like something that was slightly parallel to the 90s, but also slightly more advanced and shaped, yeah. shaped out of the park that created dinosaurs. Yeah, and I, I tried a bunch of different brands of vehicles before they settled on the Explorer. And I tried, I think Derek knows this. I, Tried the Range Rover and a Mitsubishi and a camera. There are a couple others that I tried as well. Suzuki? Yeah, Suzuki. Yeah. And um, so it just happened, you know, that they decided the Ford was the way to go. I think Dennis Muir wanted to do, he was always thinking it would be a scratch built thing or um, more like a people mover at Disneyland. <laughs> completely open cockpit. I can't remember why I started to gravitate towards using existing vehicles. I don't know. I mean, I just, I guess the time it just made sense to me. Well, I think that makes sense in the 
you know, creation of a park, like, you know, to use something familiar for guests. Cause I mean, the dinosaurs are going to be so unfamiliar enough that mm-hmm. to go too fantastical with everything else might kind of distract them from the real show, the dinosaurs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, that makes sense. I could see following a logic like that. Oh, but what do I know? Uh, <laughs> 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 No, I think uh, Derek's mentioned like in one of your conversations before that you're kind of a car aficionado. Like, did that did that influence Jurassic Park, but also the Lost World and Jurassic Park Three? Like, where did your interest in cars start, and how did that influence Jurassic? I grew up on the East Coast in New Jersey, and we would go to Raceway Park, the drag strip, nearly every weekend, and I just loved fast cars. And that led me to start doing drawings for race car drivers, paint schemes, you know, crazy paint schemes for, for race cars. And, and um, my dad took notice of my interest in cars. And he came back from a trip to California one year and said, hey, there's a school out in Pasadena that, that has a, a class all about designing cars. And so I became a car designer. I got into the art center and I left art center, took a job with General Motors and was designing cars. So cars have always been an interest up for me. And so to ha- have any chance to draw cars for a film is great. I got to do that on Jurassic and on Tucker and even on Rango. Some cars had to be designed. And so I wanted to do those. And the paint scheme for the Explorer was definitely an evolution of the paint scheme designs I would do for the drag racers, which were really colorful, very ostentatious, very bold and in your face. So when I did that one on the Ford Explorer, they luckily they gravitated towards that one because that was my favorite one out of all the ones that I'd done anyhow. Yeah, that. That's very cool. That makes perfect sense, actually. <laughs> so the, the vibrant colors of a race car and the vibrant colors of that Explorer. Wow. It was just such an iconic, timeless design. And it really blends really well with the sort of safari, um, the safari adventure park type of look that Jurassic Park has as well. It's this weird blend of vibrancy and I think a little bit of groundedness. And it just, it works. And I think it spoke to people. I, I know definitely, I think that's probably why it's so timeless. Yeah, and I think um, Rick Carter early on was saying, this is pretty much going to be a theme park with dinosaurs. So for me, that that just stuck in my head and doing things that were colorful just made sense because I had a big um, attraction to World's Fair buildings and graphics, which are all very colorful and very bold designs. So I I guess it all just kind of seeped into project that's great i mean even in the lost world the cars became even more prominent at least to Mm -hmm. fans like us we really appreciated the different designs for those cars and what were some of the inspirations for the lost world vehicles those are the mercedes ones yeah they're mercedes and then there's like other ones like the, the humvees and you know those kind of vehicles to like capture the dinosaurs in that film, we had the two factions. We had the hunters and the gatherers, right? Yeah. So the hunters, we just wanted to give a more of a militaristic tone to everything. 
And so we're looking at things that were more angular and severe and in shape form. And then the, um, the gatherers were a little more passive. And I think they'd already struck a deal when I got involved, they'd already struck a deal with Mercedes to use SUVs in that film. So it was really a matter of, okay, what can we do to these SUVs, these Mercedes and um, retain their identity, but also build in some of that Jurassic vibe. When you also did the mobile lab, the trailers. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I, I can't remember if they'd already picked um, a brand to use for that trailer or not. And so it's just me coming up with a paint scheme and some, you know, additional, additional um, exterior pieces and then working on some, some of the interior layout to, um, to get it all sorted out and make it feel like it works with the rest of the, um, the gatherers equipment and vehicles. I just want to, you know, visually tie them all together. So there's some continuity. So the audience can easily recognize if you see this colorway, you see the shape language, it's going to be the gatherers. And if you see this more severe, it's going to be more recognizable as the uh, hunters. Something I always loved was just the direction you went with customizing the vehicles in terms of like up armoring them or adding the capture cages mm -hmm. or the capture arms or the mm -hmm. different like observational towers and whatnot onto these vehicles. And what I think is really what really spoke to me is it'd be really easy to like make them look super brutal or like super edgy, mm -hmm. but they, they look very grounded. There's a sense of adventure, even even in the hunters, there's a sense of adventure and fun to the vehicle okay. designs. And uh but they also certainly are unique and customized. And they, they, those vehicles have always stuck with me. I just hmm. got to say that I've always loved the work on the Lost World. Thank you. Well, that, that, that little that jump seat on the side of the Hummer and that one drawing, that's, that came from that movie, that old um, Hatari. You know, the guys that are hunting mm. rhinoceros in Africa. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had somebody sitting on a front fender, I think, in that movie. And... Um, I think that jump seat idea might have come directly from Steven, from, from his recollection of the movie Hatari. I can't remember, but I think there's a correlation there where Steven wanted to do something like that, but in a more modern version. Pretty crazy sequence. I mean, they've got a real rhino bashing into their car. Hatari is wild. Um, yeah. It's And it's just fascinating and very cool for me that those two films have that connection because I think Spielberg wanted the lost world to have sort of an old Hollywood sort of gritty feel too. So mm -hmm. what was it like working with Spielberg in general? Again, another really generous guy. Um, he, he was really good with um, just letting the ideas flow and he encouraged the people around him, or at least, my experience was I was able to freely verbally throw out ideas and he would either run with them or he would shut them down. But, you know, you didn't take it personally. He's like, he had a, he had the big picture in his head. And if your ideas fed into where he was going, then he was going to take it and run with it. So working with him, you know, was, was a blast. I had the greatest time. Yeah. Just super generous with his time 
and his thoughts and again you know allowing allowing me to help influence and spur you know spurn on other ideas for the film i got a chance to work with him on a couple other projects as well but yeah jurassic was great didn't you also work with him on uh, artificial intelligence yeah artificial intelligence and then he also helped um um, get me in as a production designer on animated feature Ants back in the late 90s. Oh, it yeah. was DreamWorks' first animated feature. So, yeah, that, that was great. And then, um, yeah, I'm trying to think of what else. I guess AI was the last time that I got to work directly with them. Oh, and so many great designs in that film, for sure. That's one of my favorite <laughs> Spielberg films, honestly. It's just such a very dark movie, very dark sci-fi movie. Yeah. yeah. He, was really, he was really fun. Miss working with him. And rewinding back to The Lost World. Because um, I know you didn't work on The Lost World quite as much as Jurassic Park. You kind of did it remotely, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was... I was living up in the Bay Area at that time. So I only got to come down, you know, kind of bounce in and out of the art department a little bit, but uh, mostly working, yeah, by myself up in the Bay Area. Yeah, and one of the, because you did other concepts beyond just the vehicles, like one of my favorite designs of yours were the live pods. Which oh, I, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I love that idea. And you did like, at least two or three different designs, and my favorite one looks like a coffin with spikes on it. <laughs> yeah, I know that's kind of nutty. <laughs> What's funny is that got directly translated into a toy, even though that scene didn't make it into the movie. There was a toy that was basically a coffin with spikes on it that the T Rex would swallow. Really? Yeah. Oh I never saw that. That's funny. I gotta look that up. <laughs> yeah, that was the uh, Kenner Bull T-Rex toy. And it was it would swallow the coffin. The spikes would shoot out. It had a little dude inside of it. Um, <laughs> he looked terrified. It was a really funny toy. That's great. Yeah, we always kind of wondered like where that came from. Because I don't think that was in the novel, from what I recall. So like, how did that idea come about for you? Man, I, I think just reading the life pods and how they were going to be used as a, a survival mode i just thought i just started coming up with different ideas and i thought well if the thing's got spikes on it there's you know the the, the dinosaurs aren't going to try to bite it if it's got spikes i just thought of it as a porcupine basically <laughs> that's great <laughs> what's another one there was another one where it's like a big barrel that you hit in yeah yeah there was that barrel concept that you did as well um yeah i want to say I can't recall if it was an actual life pod in the novel, but I definitely remember there's a scene where like Arby, the character Arby, who eventually got cut from the film, climbs into a small cage and actually the raptors like grab it and start rolling him around and running away with him uh, as he's in the cage and they have to eventually rescue him. Um, and I imagine that's where the life pod came from was like this sort of like last ditch, like hop in a cage and don't get eaten type of situation. Yeah, that could be. That's funny. Now for... Jurassic Park 3, I know you were very briefly involved with that movie and you did some yeah. motorcycle designs, but none of them appear <laughs> in the movie. Um, <laughs> so what happened with that? Like, yeah, God only knows, you know, they just asked me to come up with some, some motorcycles and art ATVs. And so I do. And 
then it's kind of out of my hands at that point. I don't know. I don't remember what happened with those. It was a, it must've just been a couple days here and there that I was able to work on that. Yeah. I was just going to ask. So that is basically, that's the extent of your involvement with JP three. There wasn't like earlier, like just kind of rougher sketches or ideas tossed around in an art no. form. No, that was it. Yeah. And the same with um, the ones that came out just a few years ago too. It was just kind of some ideas for uh, the gate to the, to the park and give us some ideas on what the visitor center might look like now. And, you know, it was really limited time. They only, they're only giving me a budget for like three days or five days or something. So oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah. You made quite an impression on it though. Cause I mean, you created a whole map. Yeah. That was specifically asked for, Hey John, can you do a map for the Island? I said, yeah, I like doing maps. Yeah. That'd be fun. It's funny, as soon as your artwork came out for uh, Jurassic Park 4, Jurassic World, um, <laughs> everyone just immediately was like, why doesn't the park look like that in the movie? Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, I think the movie looks cool, but I think uh -huh. it's, it's my, my takeaway is a lot of the movies sort of just looks like your average sort of city walk at Universal Studios, which mm -hmm. I know is a distinct design choice. Um, mm -hmm. But I think seeing that your artwork really kind of invokes the imagination a little bit more like where Jurassic Park sort of had its own visual identity. Uh, mm -hmm. The artwork you did for Jurassic Park 4, damn, is it cool. I, it really kills me that we didn't get to see that on screen in some uh, form or fashion. There's certain elements I think that remained influential, but uh, yeah, no, that really kind of just brings my imagination to life looking at that oh, artwork. Thanks. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. I, I have to agree the the gates with, the you know that are basically constructed out of you know brachiosaurs on each side or the <laughs> yeah <laughs> the amber sculpture with the dna structure around it like it's such a great mix of of theme park corporate but also bringing the natural in and it's mm. it's really incredible it has that safari adventure feeling that I think Jurassic Park really introduced. And I don't think the all the final product of Jurassic World really recaptured that certain mm -hmm. aspect. It, and I know that it did mean and part of its visual identity was to go more cold and corporate. Yeah. But I almost feel like they leaned into it too heavily because it sort of made the movie feel different. The visual identity, the, the way the frame looked, the color, the color palette even. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks. I'm glad you guys like this. That is definitely something that I look at constantly and kind of go, I wonder if they can ever find a way to, uh, you know, maybe, maybe they'll uh, draw their inspiration for Biosyn from it or something. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> that, that is one of those uh, one of those pieces that I hope that eventually can maybe eventually be revisited. Thanks. And it's interesting because in the making of Jurassic Park, um, it, Rick Carter said that he was kind of trying to shy away from making it too polished and corporate which is what ended up happening in Jurassic World, you know, even yeah. further, you know, they didn't retain, you know, that natural essence that, you know, you still kept in your concept art for the fourth movie. Uh -huh. So it's interesting that they kind of disregarded <laughs> what Rick Carter said. <laughs> yeah, you know, sometimes Hollywood does make the best decisions, do they? Yeah, and I think that, it's partly probably a limitation of the, the production of Jurassic world became quite, I mean, everyone knows that Jurassic park four was in production hell for a very long time, but even the production of Jurassic world had its hitches. The studio started scaling back the budget drastically uh, 
before shooting got to the point where they scared away uh brand partners and retailers um where the basically they're like the studio has no faith in this movie like we're not going to cover uh, take these products and it was definitely like one of those things where originally the budget was higher and then they tried to scale it back to like the budget of the movie oblivion which was i think shot on a surprisingly tight budget uh-huh. um and then eventually got a little bit more wiggle room but i think that it's one of the things that kind of went and changed the visual design because they were going to film at six flags like an abandoned six flags and they wanted to use as much of the standing architecture as oh they could God. and i think that that is what kind of influenced the final design that very universal city walk because then they also i know there's an interview with frank marshall where he said they were hoping to film at universal city walk so i think ultimately the design was influenced by the technical and financial constraints of the film in the end but it's a shame that even like with some fanciful facades they didn't try to invoke a little bit more of that adventure to it yeah that's a shame always plays into it Especially now when the studios are chasing these big connect, these big franchises and everyone wants the next big hit. And Uh I I think that it's these movies cost a lot of money to make. And now there's certain goals that want to be hit. So I think it's even so like only the really, really big movies get made or the really, really small movies get made. And those things that sort of fit in the middle feel like they're not existing in the cinema space, at least maybe in TV more so than film. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I wish they would have included in the movie certain things that your map had, like a roller coaster, like a raptor <laughs> theater, you know, a brachiosaur restaurant. I mean, like, were those things like in the script or did you just have free reign to come up with those locations? I think it was just free reign. I think uh, I don't recall anybody calling out any, any specifics. It was just keeping in mind that it's basically a theme park with dinosaurs. So what would this map look like? So I just ran with it. It is funny. I wonder if some of those locations you did inspired some of the drafts because some of those locations then existed for a little bit in other pieces of concept art mm-hmm. and other drafts. So I wonder if it's one of those things where it just sort of kind of helped build the world before it then ultimately got scaled back. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. And who is Richard Tanner? <laughs> because that's the name that's on your gate, Richard Tanner's Jurassic Park. <laughs> Really? I don't know who that is. Yeah. Wait, on, on, uh, on the Lost World one? On the, the one from uh, 2015? Yeah, for, for uh, 2015 Jurassic Park 4. Yeah. yeah. Richard Tanner. Tanner. I, I guess that was in the script. Okay, yeah. We don't know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> it's no relative of mine. I've never known anybody named Richard Tanner. I think that was... Whatever script I was working from, I think that was a, a name that was in there. Because I wouldn't have put it on there for any other reason. I mean, the way I'd had on the um, Ford Explorers, I had John Hammond's Jurassic Park on the, on the sketch, I think. Yeah. But they didn't want that on there. I'm guess it's funny though because we've heard like a lot of the different characters and whatnot from early Jurassic uh, Park four stories that eventually became Jurassic World, and uh, Richard Tanner was just one of the ones where like, who the hell is Richard Tanner? <laughs> um, but I wonder if he was the character that proceeded in the final film. There's a character Simon Mizrani who has the very Hammond like role of the park owner uh, and whatnot, probably. and I, I'm wondering if that character was like a very similar like the predecessor to Simon Mizrani because yeah. no one. When Colin came in and took over, he followed, I mean, like, the open park was already a thing. 
you know, there's already going to be a Mosasaur feeding arena. There are raptors that were trained a lot. Like, you know, there is a hybrid or at that time, I think it was like a newly discovered super dinosaur, but mm-hmm. most of the concepts are there. And he just sort of kind of re rebuilt the characters from scratch, but it's, I guess it's sort of like a similar thing to Jurassic park three, just with more time where you're trying to keep as many, keep as true to like a lot of the core foundational elements, but kind of make the story your own. Yeah. Within that. It's funny, Richard Tanner. <laughs> Richard Tanner. I wish I had uh, kept that script so I could have perused over it again. They didn't let you keep any, huh? <laughs> I got it, you know, from the original film, we got it. I got the script, and um, I think I have a Lost World script, too. Yeah, it's actually crazy, because normally after a film comes out, over time, the scripts come out, but for whatever reason, with uh, Jurassic World, it, its scripts have remained elusive. However, there's the uh, 2004 John Sayles Jurassic Park 4 script, which was a trip, let me tell you. I don't know if you're familiar with that story oh. at all, mm. but it was it was pretty wild. I mean, it had like ankylosaurs being airdropped out of like planes, and <laughs> it really leaned heavily into the militarized raptor aspect, and there was like oh. a evil count who had like a castle full of dinosaurs and like the Swiss Alps. <laughs> I, I, it was, I it was, it was absurd. It was really well written. It just wasn't well written as a Jurassic Park movie. If that makes sense. Like when I'm reading it, I'm like, this is very enjoyable. It's not Jurassic Park, but boy, is it fun. I mean, there's a scene with like a drug Lord fighting like a Dilophosaurus in this hot tub. Uh, it, it's, it's bizarre. It's wow. one of those things that I'm like, man, I hope artwork exists to that. And I hope eventually, eventually <laughs> it will make it into a making of book or something like that because yeah. it's a trip. Sounds great. And that's what preceded uh, Carlos Uante art. I'm not sure if you've seen some of those artworks, uh, artwork pieces where they're like the human dinosaur hybrid concepts. No, I haven't seen his. I know, I know Carlos from uh, when we worked at ILM together. Yeah, he worked on he worked with Joe Johnson on a Jurassic Park 4 concept back in 2006. Oh, okay. And at that point they were Spielberg really liked the idea of <laughs> he really liked the idea of um dinosaur hybrids. Mm-hmm. And Joe was trying to dial back the idea a little bit, so he kind of brought Carlos in and his first directive was like make the artwork as crazy as possible so the studio goes, okay, let's dial it back a little bit. Mm-hmm. So like the artwork that Carlos came in, it's really again, really, really cool looking artwork. But I mean, we're talking human dinosaur hybrids, like yeah. you know, raptor people, they look more like you know, the lizard, or there's like <laughs> it's really cool looking artwork. It's really cool. And I guess they only worked on that direction for like a week or two because like then the studio execs saw the artwork and they're like, okay, let's go back to the drawing board. (laughs) Yeah. Jurassic Park 4 had a wild, wild story of a production history leading up to it. Oh my gosh. Now, before I forget, um, I have to let you know that Jack, the owner of Jurassic Outpost, he bought some of your Jurassic Park 4 art and exchanged some messages with you a while back. Um, he, he couldn't join us today, but he just wanted to say that he's a huge fan of your work. Oh, tell him thank you very much. I appreciate it. So um, when you begin working on a project, like, are there any films or music or other art that you consume yourself with to be influenced, you know, particularly on the later Jurassic franchise? Well, I can't say any particular piece of music, but I always have music on in the studio, but it's just a, it's a real hodgepodge of mix from soundtracks to um, 
rave type music to alternative music, country music. It's all over the board. So I can't say there's any type of music that I listen to to get in the mood. Um, it's always just kind of rolling around. Um, and then when I'm working from, if I'm working on a particular film, I really, I really want to get a, you know, a hold of the script as soon as possible because anything that's going to make it to the end and make it to the final screening is going to be coming. It's going to be a derivative of the script either directly or indirectly. So as soon as I can get my hands on that, that's going to drive everything that I try to create. So the more intense music was on when you were doing like the baby raptor that's about to eat the baby in, in the bassinet, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, during that whole 91 era, that's from like 89 to 94. That was a, me being deeply involved in the whole rave scene. So there's a lot of techno and electric, electronic music going on in the art department at Jurassic Park. <laughs> now I'm just going to imagine that from now on when I think about when you guys worked on the film just a lot of you know rave and trance music that's oh crazy. yeah I love that <laughs> love it. I still love it I still listen to it today I just love it it's honestly some really good music just to kind of cut yourself off from everything and work on some projects I, I, yeah. I do that while filming or when uh, drawing and everything like that it, it works yeah it's great did you ever get to visit any of the sets for any of the movies? And what did you see? Well, yeah, I mean, on the first one, I got to see, you know, everything that was being done at Universal. Um, as far as successive ones, no, I didn't get to see anything. But, you know, going on the, on the, first, on the first one, being on, being on the set all the time was fantastic. It's one thing to see it on a computer screen. Oh, yeah, you built a model. That's a cool model. But then when you go onto a stage and that, and you see that they're building a, a gigantic tree that's going to hold a Ford Explorer in it, or if it's, it's going to, they're going to have another stage where they're going to be, they're going to be filling it full of water and mud. I mean, that's a whole other sense of Hollywood magic. You know, everything being done on a computer is kind of boring. I think. Yeah. <laughs> All the blue screen. <laughs> if I didn't have to work on a computer, I surely wouldn't. Yeah, it's sort of a double-edged uh, blade. It, it opens up communication options, but there, there's something said about working in person and being there on the fly and seeing it. And yeah, real models. I mean, mm -hmm. when you walked when we walked into Stan Winston's studio, and there's the T-Rex, and it's 18 feet tall and it's 40 feet long. And you go, Jesus, hey, you can't, you know, there's no way you're going to survive this thing. Or even the Raptors, and you're looking eye to eye. This thing has got a head as big as a mailbox, and he's got you know, a mouthful of teeth that can eat you up. You know, there's, you think the kids have no chance getting out of that kitchen. These creatures would make mincemeat out of them so fast. <laughs> yeah, it does not get more realistic or more intimate than actually having something like that. Yeah. And it just opens up. It allows you to actually put it on camera and see what works, what doesn't work. And mm -hmm. you can, on the fly, change your framing change your change your lens and if you want it to look bigger you don't have to digitally make it bigger you can play with camera angles instead and i think that that just gives such a sense of tac tacticality even in the film as well as yeah. making it it's probably a hell of a lot of fun yeah oh yeah for sure so were there any concepts that you recall making for any of the jurassic park films that were not featured in the final film that you wish would have Oh, the spiked coffin, of course. <laughs> yes. 
I agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, gosh, I mean, those, those gates for Jurassic 2015, um, those, I really liked that some of those gates. I thought they were pretty cool. So yeah, I wish those would have gotten involved in the final films. Yeah, no, it definitely would have made that movie more unique in its designs if any of those had survived. Yeah. So we know you've recently worked on a new book for Jurassic Park, The Ultimate Visual History. What was that process like? Yeah, I just got a contact from a guy over in, um, over in England, and he was looking for artwork for this book. And he just requested some pieces. And so it's just me and him back and forthing what he, what he was looking for. And I sent him some images and I haven't seen the book. I don't know when it's coming out, but I'm looking forward to it. When you were working on concepts for Jurassic Park between 89 and 94, did you ever think that 30 years later you would be getting requests for artwork to go in a, in a book about it? <laughs> no. <laughs> you know what? If I, I shoot myself because now I look at um, the catalog from the prop store. You guys are familiar with that? That sells all the props. From oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. yes. I look at that and I see some of the Jurassic stuff in there and I go, Jesus, if I had half a brain, I would have just picked up armloads of things that were just being thrown <laughs> in the dumpsters and laying on the floor and thrown in the trash. I mean, there was so much stuff that just got tossed. And if I only had an ounce of foresight and vision of where I thought this film was going to land in film history, I would have just gobbled up all kinds of stuff. <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, Universal didn't even have the same foresight. They lost, um, <laughs> in, in 2001, they lost most of the dinosaurs. And when I say lost, I mean they misplaced them. I know where they are. I know exactly where they are, but they, they, they lost track of them. Oh um, yeah, they lost track of all Stan Winston's dinosaurs, the maquettes, the life-size, the original castings, oh, the, the, the metal molds, the, the internal documents. They lost track of them. They lent them out to a company. Wow. And then their interdepartmental people changed, and they never made document of it. <laughs> that's why the dinosaurs look different in Jurassic World, because Universal literally, literally lost the dinosaurs in 2001, Incredible. because Jurassic Park 3 wasn't as big of a hit, a hit as they had hoped so it wasn't on their priority list oh my gosh <laughs> looks like they used the wrong dna to reconstruct them but oh well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's just one of those things that always cracks me up knowing that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. just sitting in trailers in the middle of the woods well at least a big chunk of stuff um rick carter had the foresight i guess to donate it to uh usc for their mm -hmm. um library Oh, that's great. That's good to hear. Good to know. I didn't know about that. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, I guess people can check it out as long as they make a, an appointment in advance to peruse over you know, different materials like scripts and even like concept art, mm -hmm. which, I, which I did. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yes. Sadly, it seems like the visual history book did not know about that, um, mm -hmm. that huge archive of materials. But so that's one of the things that maybe eventually might be uncovered for the general public's consumption. Yeah. Some really cool stuff there. Um, I do have a question, you know, so if, if you were approached again, you know, to work on a Jurassic film now, mm -hmm. and let's say they come to you and they say, look, we're just looking for inspiration right now. We want some 
images that speak to us. You know, the setting is the dinosaurs are in our world. There are multiple companies. It's, it's kind of becoming, it's like, you can't put that back in the box. It is part of our world now, not just on an island anymore. Do, is, there, is that something that you'd be interested in? Are there concepts oh, yeah. and ideas that you think that you would like to see? Would you, do you know yeah. like what you would gravitate towards? Would you gravitate towards vehicles, towards structures, towards settings? I'm just sort of curious on like where you would want to go. Yeah. So you have the, green, the blue sky option. Yeah. Doing, doing all that stuff helping to visualize all of it, the settings, either the cities or the farmlands or wherever it's going to be, different continents. Yeah, I think it'd be great. It'd be a fun project. Yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful opportunities ex exist. I mean, I know that Jurassic World Dominion isn't the end. It's supposed to be the start of a new era, more, mm -hmm. you know, make the franchise go more global. I know they want to do films. They want to do live action TV. Hell, they, they've got, got animated um, on Netflix now, and I think they want to continue that. So there's definitely a lot of cool opportunity. I would just love to see a lot of that visual identity that you brought into Jurassic Park and the Lost World kind of come back. Yeah, come back fun. with a vengeance. <laughs> that'd be lots of fun for sure. Yeah, our, our message basically to Universal right now is if they don't hire you back for any of the future projects, they just don't need to make them. Just don't even bother. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, I, I think that it's sort of one of those things that should happen. I mean, same with getting like Crash McCreary back on dinosaur designs. Yeah. That I think he's been, there's some really great artwork that's come out of the new films, but. I do think that he had a unique style for his, you know, vision of dinosaurs and what then Sam Winston Studios did really kind of brought that out. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the dinosaurs look a little different now. They're a little scarier. They look a little less naturalistic. And yeah. I'd like to see Crash come back and maybe and bring his magic back. For sure. That'd be great. That would be great. Yeah, I think the story going to a more global place really can present an opportunity for some of those old concept types from the original films to come back like in in more grounded stories so. mm -hmm. yeah just like what does u.s fish and wildlife dinosaur departments look like you know u.s fish and wildlife they don't you know they've got those sort of log cabin-y type of park visitation buildings and whatnot so what does that look like in a jurassic world yeah yeah, yeah exactly that'd be fun great challenges for sure that's just one of those things that i'm I guess I'm kind of hopeful it happens, but I'm glad to hear that that's something that you'd be interested in should the opportunity ever, ever come. Well, I look forward to getting an email someday that says it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't it make it easier for you to like become part of these films right now due to like remote technology? Because you can, you know, do your work from anywhere now. You don't have to be in the studio, you know, like in the past. So, I mean, has that actually made it easier for you or has it made it harder? Well, it's, no, it's, it's, it's easier. You know, I mean, you don't get that spontaneous back and forth when you're in the studio with everybody. You do get to focus on your tasks at hand and, you know, you can get yourself into a different mental state. But um, when the chemistry is right on a project, you really look forward to going into the studio or the art department and bouncing ideas and just seeing what everybody else is doing picking it all up through osmosis, really. If there's anything you want to plug or anything like that? I don't know what to plug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like no new projects or anything? Um, I'm working for um, a video game studio up in Oregon for Sony. Oh. And, um, I'm doing my own personal artwork, and that's pretty much it. 
I really appreciate it, you guys. It's been really fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah, thank, thank you so you. much. Yeah, thank you so much. You bet. My pleasure. We hope you enjoyed that interview. Uh, now I have something very special for you. A man Sandhu has an announcement. Okay, guys, this is episode Apparently. 99. Next episode, we'll be doing it probably two weeks' time, three weeks' time, you think? It's going to be a special one, guys, because you know what? Episode 100. If we were two weeks' time, I'm getting the finger, two weeks' time. Or I have two minutes left to talk. I don't know. Um, so I got two minutes left to talk. Okay, cool. No, um, no. <laughs> no I'm swearing <laughs> at you, bro. Okay, so, yeah, so... If we were a normal podcast, we would have hit 100 probably, what, year two, year three, instead of year, what, seven, eight? <laughs> but to celebrate this uh, long-time coming achievement of episode 100, I am happy to announce that the next episode will be done live, in person. We will have Ryan, myself, not Chris, because he's in America. Uh, Ryan's Alex in America. From the UK. <laughs> no, he's fine. Alex from the UK. <laughs> we'll be recording this in Vancouver. That's right. Since me and Jack are so close to each other now, uh, proximity-wise, it makes sense to probably kick off episode 100 properly and have all the boys, minus Chris, here for, you know, a nice a nice uh, episode 99.5. If, <laughs> if, 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 if we're being honest, if you don't know what that means, go back to the point fives. They're very special. Yeah, I did, we and, did yeah. do point five episodes. We yes, did, we did. That's when I was five episode. We did Why did we do that? Why uh, did we do that? Because uh, I was hosting it, so I just said so. <laughs> <laughs> but episode one hundred is next, and uh, yeah, other than uh, being a wait, nice does that mean this is episode one hundred? No, this is ninety nine. This is ninety. Oh my god, Christopher! What did you? <laughs> if we had a point five, doesn't this mean this is technically the hundredth episode? Don't question it, man. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Point There's five. There's two point, point five. There are two point fives. Yes. Oh, god, we're on episode one hundred one. Hey, this is, stop this. We did it. <laughs> it's like Jurassic World 1. Point, Evolution 1.5. We had episode 0. 0.5 or whatever it was. It's like, you know how Windows just jumped to Windows 10? Hey, <laughs> yeah. stop questioning things, okay? We're going to episode <laughs> yeah, don't question authority, Chris. Come on. Just, just, just come on. Uh, but yeah, very exciting. Episode 100. So if you're looking forward to that, you know, I don't know. Cool. Awesome. Cool. Thanks. Awesome. It will be yeah. live in studio, by the way. I forgot to mention that. We have a studio booked. It'll be very cool. We have a professional <laughs> video- videographer, too, Jack. He'll be filming it. Be he will be cool filming it and it. hosting it. Yes. Yeah. No, actually, I'm hosting it. It's my turn. What the hell, man? Oh. Right. <laughs> Co-host. Every 100 episodes, we switch hosts. No, every live episode we've done has been me hosting it, so I'll be hosting it again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm worried about We're, doing it live, you know. We need to do another podcast in a hot tub. I guess we never did a podcast in a hot tub, but when we, did we, we just did an Instagram story in a hot tub. I believe. No, no, oh, no, that's we, right. We, we did. Yeah, it was like a live Jurassic reaction thing, but all in a hot tub. So, if yeah. you guys know what what it's like when we get together live, it's expect something special for episode one hundred, and that's a promise. 100. That's a Sandu promise. Take it to the bank. Oh, I can't believe we're we're there though. Episode one hundred is coming soon. But guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Hopefully, it has been a good one. We talked Camp Cretaceous. We've talked Evolution Two. By the next time we talk, wait, hang on. Oh my God! Uh, next time, no, no, it won't be. It won't be. It'll be on the I was going to say. I'm just checking now. Next time, no, 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 no. Very no, no, no. close to the release out. of Camp Cretaceous. Oh, it's going to be so close to the release of Camp Cretaceous. We might know more. There might be more to talk about. But until then, um. You know, I guess sh- just shut the hell up. So cool. Text us. You All have right. our numbers. 
Apparently, you got yeah. my number. Well, loads of people have Chris's number. That goes around on the... People like to spread Chris's number around and ask him questions and pretend that they're trolled. You know what? It's so funny, Chris actually. Miles, man. When you were getting, I, air quotes, trolled, Chris, when you were getting all those texts, it's like people think they're, like, trolling you or people think that they're, I don't know, somehow playing a big prank on you. But we're just sat there laughing at the audacity and at these messages like what the fuck these people like, are what so is going weird. on like what? i have no idea what you guys are talking about they, do you not remember oh, chris what? put the screenshots up on twitter like someone was texting him as if they knew him but didn't know oh brad gave me your number like and he didn't no and, like, what just what is this call the just, police but it's just strange like i don't understand do they think they're winning do they think there's some sort of like like, oh, I, they're re- oh, they're really getting to Chris. It's like, no, nah, me and Chris are just laughing at that. Chris is like, just a dude on the in Pittsburgh. I, I, honest, I forget what I forget, forget what it was that they said, but I'm I honestly for Christopher guys. Th- there was a time that I thought it was Jack because it was like it. It almost <laughs> seemed like it was like you. It would be a thing a he would do, eh? Be, no, because there was, there was something very specific <laughs> about the way that it was doing. It. I'm like, Jack, is this you playing a bit? And you're like. You're like that does sound like something I would say, but no. <laughs> yeah, was you like, were like, kind of jealous actually. Somebody's taken my. Uh, <laughs> you the punch, man. I love it. Yeah, yeah. it was like uh, I don't know. They were they but were yeah. fucking with you, but it's me. I fuck with Chris. Come on. The funniest thing I'm is like after I was like, yeah, it wasn't Brad. I tweeted that, and th- then I got an apology text from that person from a different cell phone number, by the way, a different number. <laughs> That's and they're like, oh, like I'm sorry, I was joking. I wasn't trying to be mean, but they still wouldn't say who it was. I'm like, okay, just. Get away, you freaking okay. weirdos, man. You got my number from God knows where. Okay, cool, I guess. Okay, if I, that was you and you're listening to this podcast, if you're the guy who texted Chris, text him again apologize. No, yeah. no, don't. You already did that. Just don't. don't. Do it again one more time because he's, he's still vocal. Te- text to cease. Text to cease. If you you have my number already, just text if that, him. If that person, if, if we find out that person is Canadian-based, me and Cease will fuck around. We'll go around. I can't. It. I'm, not, find I'm out. not a part of this. I'm not a part of this. I am not a part of this. Oh, we're a part of this now, Aziz. Nope, oh, I'm not a part of this now. He's saying nope. no for liabilities, but he's nodding. Yes. I'm not a part of this. Oh, he's, he's nodding. So yes, in. Look at him. He's got his. No. his oh. I'm shaking my head. I'm shaking my head. No. Okay. I appreciate right. you watching it out for your own liability. He won't have any part of that. <laughs> I am not a part of this. Um, and on that note, <laughs> see you next time. Bye. Right. That was a fun one, dude. That was a lot of fun. Oh, Holy dang, dog. Oh, shit. dang. Oh. He smoked that dank. It's been a long time. Hell yeah, dog. It's been a long time. Doctor's orders, huh? Yeah, let's <laughs> start it up. Let's hit it up. Okay.